Hello and welcome to the Player to Prospect podcast. As you can see, our guest today is Logan Robbins. He's an assistant coach and a hitting coach at the University of Notre Dame. This episode was fantastic. I had such a great time talking to Logan. And as you guys can see by the length of the episode, we enjoyed each other's company. And I hope you guys will see that when you watch or listen to the episode. And I'll just ask... Um, if you're a regular listener, if you like the podcast uh, in any capacity, if you could share the podcast or tell just one friend this week um, about this episode or a previous episode that you enjoyed, then that would mean the world to me because I believe that the foundation of the growth of this podcast will be based on you guys, my listeners, my loyal listeners. So with that, let's get to the episode with Logan Robbins. They can be the beginning of the episode. I'll give him a little shout out. I only play with one of them, Simon uh, Baumgart. But yeah. yeah, so I play with Simon and then obviously uh, Josh Hahn. We may have talked about Josh um, when we saw each other out at Dude Day. But yeah, I mean, my brother obviously played for him or played with him. Sorry. So my dad was like, you got to reach out. Like when you, when you talk to Robin's, like just ask him about Simon and, and Hahn. Like just please ask him about, uh, oh, ask about I, him. I love them both. Uh, Very Simon. different, huh? Uh, they are very different. Um, Simon has a quiet demeanor about him, but he's always listening and watching. Oh, um, yeah. And he does some things naturally sometimes that I don't even think that he knows that he's doing that. And so he's going to be, as the fall progresses, he's going to be a fun one for me to work with, especially on the infield. Um, mm, okay. And then Han, um, right now, he is just absolutely blistering balls and hitting balls harder than I, I can even begin to imagine. Hmm. And he has what I would say the perfect amount of just like ball player mixed with kind of a jerk kind of mixed with like, hmm. I want to learn everything I can. And that's what I really, really like about him. Um, he's never over the top. He's never under, he's never under focused. Um, but hmm. he has a little bit of ball player and jerk to him uh, that I really, <laughs> really like. Um, most yeah. time we don't say jerk and say a good thing, but in this case, uh, I definitely do. Well, um, yeah, when I hear jerk, I'm thinking like, okay, because I know him off the field mostly. Like, I haven't played with him while the game is going on, um, but I've seen it. So I feel like I can see the contrast between when when he's playing, he has that, you know, like you're talking about the jerk. He's flipped the switch a little bit. Like, you can see, like, there's that competitive juice flowing, like, while he's playing. And then when he gets off the field after the game, it's like, nicest, sweetest guy. He's and like, he's yeah, and you're like, you're like, oh, wow, like, you, you uh you're wearing a couple of different hats right now like that's kind of cool and um, uh, i like watching those types of players because like you said like it's almost like they never really lose focus like they know when to be in which mental states and it's like it's very advanced i would imagine you know uh at least for me i feel like that's not that common yeah for and for a guy that hadn't played a ton in college like he he mm -hmm. has yeah. held that he was at a very good program in UCLA and was very well coached and paid attention because it shows up um even though he hasn't played a lot like the experience um is is in there from just a mental standpoint um yeah. really knows the game i think he's sharp um i'll tell you one thing is he's a really good thrower from first base now i know he's a left-handed pitcher and all those things but he yeah. can really throw at first base and uh when you start talking about um you know the things that you can do when the first baseman can throw um, you know, hmm. certain, excuse me, first agents can't throw. They're not the best thrower. Um, yeah. 
the guy in a rundown or, you know, any type of cut situation. Um, I don't mind him having the ball because I think he can throw it and throw it accurately and, and put it on the money. I feel like, yeah, there is a little bit of um, security that like pitchers can have too when they know their first baseman's really solid. Like I, I know I'm trying to remember who I had at first base where I was like, oh yeah, like this, this guy is crazy solid. And like, you know, I've had a few, I, I don't need to name them. It doesn't even matter. But when you know, like the ball is going in the direction that they're going to catch it, it's just so satisfying. I guess it is. And, and people always will talk, you know, Vinny Pasquantino played um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, at, at Old Dominion and I was there and obviously he can hit, um, but he's really, really good around the bag. And he's also a really accurate thrower. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a lot of times, um, you know, the confidence that we had with him just playing first base, what it ends up doing is it helps your second baseman, your third baseman, your shortstop, um, you know, mm-hmm. they, they end up making less bad throws because they're not worried about making the bat throw, because they just have to throw it over there and he'll catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vinny has always been known for being able to hit the ball, which he can do. Yeah. He's really good um, around the bag, too. Um, and I'm a very good defender. And so that's that's kind of, you know, Han right now, I'm trying to turn him in. I think he's got a lot of Joey Votto in him. Like, I think they have mm-hmm. the same type of setup and the same type of mindset. Um, anything that has to do with Votto, uh, I just send it to Han and say, watch this 50 times and then watch <laughs> it one more time um yeah so that's that's kind of you know I like to find like a big leaguer that those guys look like I was gonna ask yeah um and that's kind of you know I think you know imitation is a great way to get better find a big leaguer that you look like listen to everything he says do everything that he does um and then just keep working that way and you know a lot of young hitters what they'll do is they'll they'll be Manny Machado with another player and those two never mix and they don't even look like you um Mm -hmm. and so then they end up going down these long rabbit holes and trying to do things that they just can't do yeah Um, yeah you know finding a player that looks like someone in the big leagues and like start thinking like him start talking like him start swinging like him I think they can start Mm -hmm. to build some confidence and they always have something good to run back to and go all right like I can I can help with this um so I'll try to find a a big league comp Uh uh, guy and let them just digest it and it's also, I, I think it's important to make note that it's a, um, it's a search for a player with, with some success, but one that is similar to you already, not you trying to search for, all right, who's the best player right now? I'm just going to copy what that guy does, even if it's nothing close to what I'm doing, where, right. you know, you say Vado and I, th- I think about Han and I watch him. I'm like, oh, okay, I could see it. Yeah, for sure. But if you had said like maybe Matt Olson. I'm like, I don't know if I see that exactly so much. So, so the players out there, like the young players, it's like, okay, yeah, he might be your favorite player, but if you guys don't match, like maybe don't try to emulate like everything he's doing, you know? And then, cause once you do that, then you start to get another new player and then another new player and then another new player. And then next thing you know, it's like, you got like, uh, whatever it is, like, uh, there's always those graphics where it's like, all right, how to build the best, like, quarterback yes. or the best baseball player ever and it's like Mike Trout's hands or like uh Mookie Betts like speed or decision making and then it's like all right that's not realistic though like no, no one not. no one should be trying to do that <laughs> no they try to put a bunch of players in a blender stir them up and then hopefully you know yeah. whatever they start drinking and then that juice that they turn into and I'm like it doesn't it doesn't work that way 
Um, yeah. I, so, and I try to make them with the same hand. Like mm-hmm. left-handed, I want him to be a left-handed guy. If he's a right-handed guy, I want him to be a right-handed guy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Again, I think, you know, if it's a left-right guy, I want it to try to be a left-right guy. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think they can start taking those things and start learning. And it's the great thing about today's world is they have so much information. Um, they have so, so many things much. they can run to. They have a lot of places where they can go and find information. But the hardest part is funneling it down into the right information that can help you. Mm. And so take a big leaguer that you like, and then that's mm. going to funnel it down. And then you can go to Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and on and on and on. And find countless videos of that guy um, talking about hitting or swinging. MLB mm-hmm. Network, they do a breakdown on players. And I, I spend more of my time at home just watching those. Like, mm-hmm. all right, what are they saying about this guy? And then you start trying to track it back. All right, well, how can I use that information to help this guy on my team? Because they said something that I was like, oh, I, I see that in our guy's swing. And this is how they fix mm-hmm. it. Um, and so I think I, you know, I try to, those are where I usually try to find videos mm-hmm. of, I want to hear what MLB guys are saying about MLB guys playing in the MLB. Um, yeah. That's those are you know the things that I I want to listen to because um, again they just have experience and they have knowledge and at the end of the day our guys are trying to go where they are. So if it's good enough mm-hmm. for them, it's good enough for us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I like taking big league comps and and then having those guys just do everything that that they do. I think it's and it's a fun project. Is it? it where it starts for me is it allows a conversation to begin. Hey, yeah. that video I sent oh, you yeah. last night, what'd you see on, on Vado? Mm-hmm. All right. Now we get, to, now I get inside his head without there being any, you know, clouded area. Mm. All right, man. Like I saw that video that you sent me. What's one thing you picked up from that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll work on it. And then all of a sudden, if they're not doing it, I have a place to come back and say, Hey, remember you told me about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you and now you're not doing it. Um, and so uh it, it's a great place to start conversation. Um, and and really I think once you can teach hitting, I think then you can hit. Mm, and so I, I, I really, really inside of our indoor, inside of our facility when guys are hitting, um, I love walking in and hearing them talk to each other about hitting. And um, a lot of people will say, well, that's dangerous. Not if you're teaching them the right thing and not if, hey, like this is the language that we're talking. Yeah. The best, the best environments, the people speak the same language. Yes. When yes. When a guy's talking to another guy about getting started, hey, you're late. He's going to say, hey, you got to get started handbrake. Mm-hmm. Well, I say handbrake over and over again, but them helping each other and see it. Like he saw that that guy was like, hey, man, you got to get started at handbrake. Mm-hmm. Creating that environment in there, um, what I've figured out over the years is um, it challenges each other. And so mm-hmm. then they start watching and they see how another guy moves that maybe hits really well. And then they start trying to, all right, what's he doing? Yeah. And then guys that maybe aren't, like they start watching guys that are hitting well and they're like, oh, now I see that I'm not getting started here or I'm not making this move at the right time. And mm-hmm. then they start getting better. But I want them to have a, a culture and environment where they know, um, let's talk about hitting. Um, yeah, so yeah. Feel free to help each other. And, you know, my rule with it is, is you guys talk about hitting, um, speak back and forth. Um, I don't believe in in calling out players for things like that um, in a group hmm. setting. It's just not how I, I coach. If I don't like to coach effort, I will not coach effort. 
But if, if you're not hustling and you're not doing something like that, yeah, you're going to get it in front of the whole group. But mm-hmm. something of that standpoint, I'm going to pull you to the side and say, man, I love that you're talking about hitting with so-and-so, but just be careful how you worded that. It was confusing to me. Yeah. And so, and then we'll talk about it, mm-hmm. but they understand that like, all right, like now Logan's teaching me something else. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't ever want them to be afraid to talk and to speak um, and, you know, be a good teammate. Um, and so, right. you know, I think that is where I, I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, they'll take videos, you know, of the bottle stuff. And like, I've already heard Han talking to a couple other guys about it. Hmm. And I'm like, exactly. Cause the one we were talking about the other day was, you know, about letting, you know, the ball kind of tell you what's going on. Is it loud? Is it hmm. straight? Um, you know, you know, good, I think good hitters make loud contact. I just, it's what I think, but I heard him passing that information on to another grad guy and then a freshman. And like, this is it. Mm. Um, and, and those are the things when you can step back as a coach and the, the players eventually just kind of coach themselves. Oh, um, yeah. That is um, where I think it becomes really, really fun. And those certain types of lessons uh, that especially young players learn, uh, like from older players, I feel like those really stick because young players these days coming in from high school, maybe even junior college, they're not really taught uh, this style of learning where it's a collaboration between teammates. Um, you know, we can talk about the travel ball kind of dynamic and showcases. I mean, that's where we met. It's like, yeah, a lot of players, they're, they're geared um, and not, not to their fault. It's usually by the people around them. They're geared to think about themselves and themselves only. But especially when you reach a high level of college baseball, you can't really do everything on your own. I mean – like right it's really hard to do you know and like there's definitely the those few that where it's like okay they're special yes but for the most part like that's gonna be a really valuable thing for a young player to learn is to like ask questions um learn like new ways of talking about certain aspects of hitting or pitching or whatever it is and I guess just really being more open-minded. Um, I know that's something I've tried to like push on this podcast for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's very interesting that you, um, you like to have the players talk about that stuff because I would imagine uh, some coaches would be a little bit worried about them kind of veering off in too many different directions, but it sounds like that's not really much of a problem for you. And I mean, I can see by like your, history with hitters like it hasn't been so i mean but has that happened ever have you ever had to like make a correction there with that type of stuff no because if you give good players the right tools and the right information and then Mm -hmm. you guide them in the right direction they won't want to go outside those lanes Mm -hmm. and you know the it has to start with the same common vision um and ours Mm -hmm. is pretty simple it's relentless pursuit of scoring runs um and (laughs) i like that we, we just want to keep on scoring and keep on scoring. And it's funny you say that as I had a, you know, an old a teammate of mine come to one of our games last year mm. and we had a runner on third base with less than two outs. And our, our saying, when you hear that is, is no one cares about you. And so he was like, why did your dugout keep saying no one cares about you? I'm like, because that's our motto for when somebody's on third base. I don't care about your hit. Like I don't yeah. care about your average. What we care about is scoring the guy on third, but that Mm -hmm. was our way to remind each other, Hey, you're going to give yourself up for the team here to help us score one run. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that kind of environment where guys are working towards the same common goal of winning 
um, of getting better and competing. A lot mm-hmm. of times you don't you don't have a, a branch for them to want to wander off on. And if they do, no one else is out there with them. So that person gets lonely and they come back. I was about to say, yeah, like there is a huge difference in the way that you feel when you feel like even if you're having success, like the team isn't behind you versus you doing something for the team and then everyone acknowledging you for that and saying like, yeah, like you're thanks. Like this is huge. We're all in it together. Like it's such a different feeling. Well, I want them to understand is if Hmm. if the team has success, then you have success. Yeah. The other way around. Yeah. Um, you know, that you, you got to go in back and look at it. Is a lot of times there's good players on bad teams and they don't get pitched to like they do if they were on a different team. Um, and so yeah, it's going yeah. to, you know, take all of us um, in order to move this thing forward. And at the end of the day, I like for it to, you know, I, I try to tell our guys is when somebody walks out of here at the end of the night and they go home, I want them to feel like they just went to the dentist's office for two hours um, because they never knew. Uh, when this offense was going to stop. And I don't ever want that pitcher to take a deep breath. My, all right, eight hole hitters coming up. The eight hole hitter, you live down the middle. He he may take it out of the park on you too. Um, mm. And so it's, it's relentless. And, you know, I want you to, uh, you know, be back at the concession stand getting a hot dog and hear that walk up come on. Like, man, they're eight hole hitters up, but like he could be hitting three and you get excited to go watch him hit, but it mm. takes the whole group in order to understand that. And so, Every day, those are things that we're in there working, and um, mm. I love to make them compete. We turn everything into a game. Um, I like that, yeah. If there's a game on the line, um, you know, I've introduced several games to them, and I'll walk in there, and they're playing the RBI game, or they're playing the points game, or they're playing this game, but I want them to compete, and mm-hmm. inside those arenas is where, um, you know, they kind of stay within what we're working on. Um mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the best way I can describe it to you is our philosophy on that is if you just had a football field. Yeah. And you stripped away all the lines and I tossed okay. you a football and said, hey, go play. You'd be like, well, I, I don't know how I can play anything. But as soon yeah. as I put the end zone in there, I put the hash marks in there, the 20, the 30, the 40, the 50. Now we have a parameter of where we can play. Now, mm-hmm. with inside that field, you get to pick what kind of offense you want to run. Are you a run and gun? Are you going to be ground and pound? Are you going to spread us out? And mm-hmm. so that's where it kind of happens for each guy. Is each guy is built a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, this guy's a bit of a power guy. All right, well, here's how he's going to do things. This guy's more of a speed guy. Here's how he's going to do things. But mm-hmm. I want the two to know how the other one works. Yeah. Um, again, I want them to keep teaching each other and keep learning about um, hitting. And when you talk about the competitive part, um, I immediately think about removing emotion from competition. Now, this might help players. It might not help players. But I know for me, when I was able to start competing against people that I thought were my friends, where it's like, okay, me and my teammate, uh, we're going to go play ping pong. And it's like, we're still competing. um, But there's like that level of respect for him. It's like, I'm not trying to like make him feel bad if I beat him or anything like that. But in back in college, I remember I'd face a team and it's like, oh, I hate these guys. Like, there's no reason that I hate like to hate these guys, but it's like, oh, I hate these guys. But sometimes that can lead me kind of down a um, kind of like a unexpected spiral. Like if things go poorly, it'd be harder to manage the like failures that are happening in the moment because I'm being so emotional. So I, at least I feel like 
when you can compete against like your own team a lot and start to build like some of that respect and almost like take away the emotion from competing and you're kind of just realizing that you're actually just competing against yourself for the most part then when you face another opponent it's like oh it's the same thing they're just wearing a different color jersey and we're just going to do our thing and that's all i need to focus on i don't need to worry about like oh make them feel bad or my success means their demise like no it's really more about me i don't know like well uh have you thought about it like that at all because like I know different I players and, are different with uh, the emotional side of the game. I think, you know, a lot of times our, our guys and, and player, young players in general, they're, they're scared to compete because they're scared to fail. Um, and they're yeah. scared to put themselves all the way out there on the line because, one, if I don't meet the expectations, mm. who put these expectations on you? Typically, they're yourself. Yeah, and yeah. where did they come from? <laughs> um, and so you have to start kind of rewinding it. But a lot of times – you know, it's the kids are, are they're they're being taught almost in a, in a cage, you know, mm. and, and this one is taught out in the jungle. He has to mm. get thing. He has to go eat, find it, get it all. This guy gets it to him every day. Mm-hmm. And so I try to teach our guys, you're in a jungle. Like you have to go do it every single day. You're going to go find your own food, find your own water, find your own place to sleep. And so when that moment comes up in the game, they've already been there a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, to, to be able to slow the game down and, you know, those, those games, like there are a lot of times they'll come down to one hit or one, one batted ball, mm. but their heart rate is constantly going up mm-hmm. and their tension is constantly going up. And so put them in that situation as much as you can put them in or as close to game like as possible. And then what you hope is when they're starting playing in front of 5,000 people here, that maybe their, their heart rate slows down a little bit and, and mm-hmm. they're able to do the job that's in front of them. And, you know, we, we, you know, I, I say it to our guys a lot is, is, is be present, not perfect. Just be hmm. present. Wh- whatever you have right now, just do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Coach Fenwood, my old boss would always tell us, you know, be where your feet are. And yeah. it's kind of the same, the same principle there is, is, you know, when the runner comes up with second base, like nothing changes, like you still got a swing and a strike. You still got to put a good swing on it. Just mm-hmm. because it's the bottom of the ninth inning, like, does it really matter? Like, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but they have to be put in that situation and uh, making them compete every day and find a way uh, to get the job done. And and sometimes it's okay to lose. Like, you need to lose. You need to understand what that feels like. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and believe me, when, when you lose um, in there in the cages, um, mm. when I, when I'm in there with you, uh, it's usually not fun. They, like, there's always a penalty. There's always a price to pay. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of times it's, you know, picking up the balls or, you know, Don Long, my old hitting coach when I was with the Braves, used to, we used hmm. to play for what's called bow downs. Bow downs. And you want to talk about something that's awesome is we'll get in there and those guys will, will hit the team that loses. They'll have to go down and sit at the other side of the cage and get down and tell the other team, they're the best three times and then pick up the balls and <laughs> nobody wants to tell their other teammate that they're the best. Uh, like, no. Coach, I'm not doing that. I'm like, you don't have to do that. Then don't lose. And you won't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it starts adding a competition phase to it. Um, and all competitive fun, uh, where, you know, it starts creating an environment where, you know, half the time these guys want to skip through the basic stuff now just to start competing. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Like, let's, mm. let's make sure we, we, we go through the the fundamentals of this part, then we can get into the competition side of things. Yeah, and, like, it's so funny because when the season begins, it's pretty uh, – okay, I don't want to say it's pointless, but the 
the priority on competition is so much higher than like your personal development. It's like, okay, like guys, we've been training really hard. We've been developing for all this time. Competition is starting now. It's like, okay, when you get in the box, you can't be thinking like about all these development like sort of things. It's like, no, the, the thing you've been working on is how to compete better this whole time. You know, it's like, you got to be able to separate those two things. And it sounds like you guys do a ton of work on like the compete side. Do you, do you kind of just say like, okay, look, like everything we do, like it's for the compete thing. Like it's, it's so that we can be better in competition. So the development will kind of take care of itself, like in that way. So it, it, a lot, it's a little bit of both is you have to just kind of, you know, ease your way down it and, and basically chunk it is like, all right, the okay. beginning here, like we're going to talk about, here's how we're going to do things here. Here's how we're going to talk to each other here. Here's yeah. how we're going to handle things here. Here's our standards. Mm -hmm. And then, so you, you walk them through that and then you get into the competition phase of it where now they're competing. And then you just have to read the team that's in front of you. There's days when I'm like, man, like we've been competing for three hard days here. Like, let's just hit today and, and let's make sure we get our work in. Hmm. Um, so it, it's all about, you know, I think the best coaches can read the room that's in front of them and read their players. Hmm. Um, that relationship with them first. Um, yeah. They're never going to believe you until they trust you. Um, hmm. They're never going to want to play hard for you until they trust you. And yeah. so in order to build that trust, you have to have a relationship with them. And so, you know, you got to go down in the cages and, and you got to you got to be willing to roll your sleeves up and, and get your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. and so we do focus a lot on the competing side. But, you know, there's days where I, I can just, you know, I can feel their energy when I'm in the indoor and maybe I just crumble up the whole practice plan. Like, I like, here's what we're going to do today to make sure uh, that we get our work in and we don't just absolutely kill. Them. Or I can get in there mm -hmm. and where they got a ton of energy. I'm like, oh, this is a great day to compete against each other. Like, they'll, yeah, they'll be fighting tooth and nail. But you have to develop those relationships first. Then once mm -hmm. you develop them, um, you have to be willing to adjust um, and kind of work from there. But you know, it, it's important to compete, and and we like to compete. And and it's you know, you have to be willing to plan your days and and plan your schedules. And mm -hmm. you know, these are the days that um, are going to be heavy workload days. Um, and days yeah. we're going to compete, and you know, these are days when you know we're going to maybe go harder in the weight room. Um, so. You know, it doesn't need to be like that out here today. That's another fun difference, actually, that I feel like I've seen coaches make recently is they're starting to realize, and maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, like maybe this has always been a thing, but uh, I feel like a lot of coaches are starting to implement the season sort of structure into the fall as well, in the sense that they're like, okay, look, you, we just did a lot. Like, you need a rest day. Um, if you guys don't have it today, like, we're not going to try and force it. You know, um, like specifically in the fall, it's like uh, you guys have so much going on, like, and it's obviously new for a lot of guys too. So to, to have to like put a lot of players under that pressure and kind of, I don't know, some, I feel like a lot of young players might feel like they're all in, honestly drowning in all the work that they have. It's like, it doesn't really do them that much good, you know, to, oh, to overwhelm oh. them so much. It's like, no, we should definitely be prioritizing like, okay, are they available and ready to like put in that much effort today? If they're not, if they can, if they can only put in this much, like just give them that much to, to, to work on, you know, like, you, you know what I mean? A little I bit. do. I do. Yeah. Um, 
Well, well baseball is a routine sport. There's routine plays. There's sure. routine that you have to go through. And so I think for us, that's kind of how it starts, you know, mm. is from, let's just say, 8 to 220, 230. Sure. Like, go, be, go be a college student. Like, you're, you're <laughs> here to go to get a degree. So from yeah. that frame, go be a college student. And then from 230 to, you know, whenever practice is, like, go be a college athlete. Um, mm. And then after that, now you get to either go continue, finish your homework and be a college student. Or maybe that's when you have some free time, just depending on how your schedule falls, but get them in a routine where they mm. can just depend on this being the schedule every single day. Yeah. Sorry, from this time to this time, this is what I'm going to do. And then try to structure each day of the week about the same. You know, I love what we mm. do here on, on Wednesday night. Like we'll practice Wednesday nights here. And then after practice, we have a, a huge team meal. And you mm. know, the guys sit in there and they hang out and they spend time together um, you know, we got a ping pong table in there and, and those guys sit in there and play ping pong one after the next and, you know, several different TVs. So there's games or something going on. They're watching TV, but they know Wednesdays, that's what that looks like. And mm-hmm. Thursdays and Fridays. And so when the weeks are kind of set up that way, I think they start to get into a routine where they never feel like they're drowning. Um, mm. you know, if you ever feel like that, I often ask like, what is your time management looking like? Well, how much yeah. sleep? Well, I went to bed at two and then I got up at five because, you know, I had a paper to write. How long do you know about this paper? Three weeks. I'm like, so, yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you're the one that's been in your wheels here. Um, yeah. You know, so a lot of times when you start feeling that way, it's you somewhere, you know, in the process, you got, you got your priorities mixed up. Mm-hmm. And so now you kind of have to, the rent is due and you're going to pay it. Uh, but you better mm-hmm. start kind of changing uh, the way you go about things. And if you got that paper due, um, you might want to start working on the research, um, you know, a while ago and then start moving yeah. through it. But, you know, making sure that they get in a routine every day, this is what it's going to look like when they come to practice. This is how it's going to be set up. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do in the cages. This is what my day is going to be able to do. I think, you know, college is about time management. Manage your time. Um, it's such a big part oh my gosh i mean i can't emphasize that enough like and because i've kind of gone through that stage where like my i remember my first year of college i was i was okay at time management i wasn't great at it but it it took just a few little instances where like life kind of gets in the way and and you get caught up for an extra hour on something and then it just kind of keeps setting you back like it's and you can get caught in that and then you know it's it's harder to get out you know, than to prevent yourself from, from getting in, in the first place, you know? And a lot of the time I've found that there were some sacrifices that I probably should have made on the, on the time spending thing, whatever it was, where I'm like, okay, if I had just sacrificed that chunk of time for what I know is important, then I would have been so much better off in the long run. So. And that's a part of being a young player. You have to, you have to manage, manage that. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's no different here. I mean, you know, trying to, you know, balance school and baseball at, at any level um, is is you have to manage time. You have to go to class. You have to mm-hmm. be present when you're there. You have to turn in your work. It doesn't matter if you're at Notre Dame or junior college or somewhere else. You have to manage your time and turn in your work. And if you do those things, um, you'll be just fine. Um, and yeah. I tell our guys, don't always think about balancing them or or things like that, but think about blending more. Mm. You have time to study, so study. You have time to hit, so go hit. You have time to do these things and be able to blend 
all of those opportunities together. So you're not always, because when you think balancing, you're always thinking like this, think more hmm. together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you blend. I, I can spend time with my friends. I can spend time with my girlfriend. I can spend time hitting. I can spend time uh, going to school, but you have to be able to blend them together. And then, like you said, is all right. Like you're going to have to tell your girlfriend tonight, I got to write this paper. I don't have as much time. Um, yeah. You no. Know, um, but you know, you have to be willing to to blend blend things together a little bit to help balance them all out. And that's another thing college baseball teaches us is like the, the delayed gratification kind of piece where it's like, look, like it might suck that you have to study for this uh, paper or sorry, study for this test or exam, whatever it is, this quiz uh, a little bit longer than you'd expect or like to. But then when you get back that good test score, it's like, OK, yeah, then it'll pay off later. Same with baseball, too. It's like, yeah, you might not see some results for like a whole chunk of the fall. But maybe at the end or when you come back after the winter break, uh, you start seeing some changes and you're like, oh, thank God. I, yeah, I put in all that time like that. It's paying off. Yes. But yeah, in, your, in the moment, it's like it can be tough. Yeah, you can start doubting yourself. And um, I think I think college baseball and just college in general can teach you that if you allow it to. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's that's the beauty of it is it, can you stack days on top of each other? Um, yeah. All of a sudden, you'll look back, and you'll see all those small changes that ended up being really, really big. Whether that was in yeah. the weight room, in the classroom, on the field, um, in your own personal life, mm. if you're willing to just stack them on top of each other, and you know, again, not necessarily worry about uh, what the end result's going to be. Just enjoy mm. the journey that's in front of you. Just yeah. keep pedaling the bike forward and enjoy the journey and when you look back you're like man i came a long way that was fun yeah yeah uh, and you know the dave trembley an old old friend of mine and you know he was the uh, you know a manager uh for the orioles and and then with me with the braves is he says it and now i'm caught up saying it all the time is you gotta love it like do you love yeah it? yeah yeah and, and so, <laughs> i say that too much <laughs> our, our our guys all the time i i can see them and i'm like do you love it you gotta yeah. love it you gotta um and yeah. you know, i'll start getting in them a little bit and i'll clap my hand and say you gotta love it you gotta mm -hmm. love it um and so i always kind of hear him in the back of my mind saying that um whether that was at spring training or or something like that or, hey you gotta love it mm -hmm. and so our guys, hey, you gotta love it you have to mm. wait so i mean that's such a great like motto and mantra to kind of follow but you can flip that into a question for some players you know maybe your current players right or even players you're recruiting i mean that's got to be one of the better questions that you can ask like a guy you're recruiting right is like hey do, i mean do you love baseball or like are you just doing it because like you're good and you've been having success because that is like a that is <laughs> right there that the difference between those two things it i mean it's oh my gosh it's two totally different paths right it is. Um, and in recruiting aspect is, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk to a, a lot of players um, mm -hmm. and I have been through the years to be able to get on the phone and, and start talking baseball with a kid. And you can hear the passion in their voice when they're talking about the game. And other kids where you can't you say this kid doesn't love it. Um, yeah. So they, they get to a place like this or, you know, in anything and they're going to be challenged. Mm. And things are going to get hard. And because they don't love it, they're mm. not going to want to do a little bit more. And so, uh, you know, I'm always trying to find guys that that love 
love baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other piece that is like love working, love competing. Um, and, you know, those are the things in recruiting that, um, you know, go through conversations is like, I can pretty dig out of you pretty quickly, whether mm. you love competing, uh, whether you love the process, whether you love going out there and playing every day. Um, mm-hmm. and, now, this is such thing as fake hustle, and, and that's pretty easy to spot. Um, but sure. you know, when you're on the phone there, it's, if you can, if you can fake, um, passion, uh, with your voice and talking about the game, that's impressive. You don't need to go play baseball. You need to do something else with your life, <laughs> but yeah, you need to do sales or something. <laughs> yeah. Because that is something that I just don't need to do. Um, but you know, I, I will, I do, you, you have to love it. And, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that are, are usually the best are the guys that just love playing. Um, they aren't afraid to fail. Um, mm. they are afraid to put everything out there that they have mm-hmm. um, and maybe not get everything that they wanted, but they're not afraid because they just want to compete. They just want to go see what they can do. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other thing, the best players that I've seen there, they're always really good teammates. Um, yeah. I think, especially at this level is, man, they're always, you know, I think I'd be much rather be known as a great teammate than a great player um, because mm. everybody forgets about all the other stuff is we're getting oh for sure a, we're getting ready to do a huge legacy weekend here and mm. and bring back a bunch of alumni and 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 that's going to be exciting but when they come back it like hey man he was a great teammate yeah man, he was fun to be around every day no yeah one, we had fun he was, yeah it's usually he was a great teammate and they remember when he hit the home run to help us beat so and so they never start with that yeah 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 I mean, he was a jerk but i mean he did help us win that regional like that those are but they never will start with that yeah it's always like ah but eh. yeah um you know and you know he was a great player and he was a great teammate yeah um and so you know i I think watching guys in the dugout and how they interact with their teammates and how their teammates interact with them um yeah especially when they come off the field Uh, i like to watch when guys come off the field after a big play or whatever the case may be, how do their mm. teammates interact with them? Cause that usually yeah, yeah. Tell me everything I need to know about who they are as a person and what their teammates think about. Mm. Um, and you know, if, if your teammates don't want to talk to you, your teammates don't want to give you a high five. If you're not giving them a high five, well, now I'm kind of curious on what's going on. Yeah. Um, but mm. the guy that, you know, everyone always is, is drawn to and connected to, um th- those are the guys that you at the end of the day um you'll call you'll climb in a foxhole and, and 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 go to battle with and those are the guys that that we want and it's so funny you mentioned this because i'm going to bring up a great point that is connecting uh <laughs> to simon and han i mean two different personalities right mm-hmm. like we mentioned but the same aura of oh everybody loves simon everybody loves han everybody like I remember watching games, uh, both both our own at Tulane with Simon and then watching my brother and Han play at UCLA. Same thing. When they're coming to the dugout, whenever they hit a home run or, or uh, driving a couple guys, you know, do something cool, right? Coming to the dugout, everyone is fired up for those for those two guys. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, like I, I want that guy on my team for sure. Yes. Yeah. And to, to kind of highlight um, – the previous like point you made, these are things like you can, you have the total autonomy and freedom to make that, that choice of like, 
you can choose to love the failure part and to compete like really hard every day. It's not, and to be in love with the game, like that's a choice, you know? I mean, maybe there are things that are holding you back from that. Like maybe you are getting beat down a little bit too much or like something, something's going wrong with it. And that's, that's warranted, you know, like if you're, if you're uh, struggling with the game maybe, but ultimately like you do have that choice to like love the game, you know, like no one's, no one's telling you, you can't like you have full, the full, full choice to to say yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna really dedicate myself to this game like i'm gonna i'm gonna love it because i want to yeah so. um and the, yeah. And, the, and the neat thing um and maybe the separate between the good and the great on that is like han hmm. and simon um is yeah everybody loves them but hmm. they also now i require more out of you because you do have such a great influence on that locker room on that clubhouse um, yeah. on the field is the way you carry yourself. You now have to make sure that it's presented away because again, everyone is looking at you. Mm -hmm. um, that is where the great players embrace that. They mm -hmm. really love that. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, like I'm not playing very well today, but I'm glad that that guy is. And I'm going to make sure I'm on the top step rooting for him. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the best players show up every day. And, you know, I always will encourage our guys and, and I'll point to our indoor you know, door and say the best players that they walk through that door and they walk through it the same every day, whether they're 0 for 40 or 40 for 40. I never know which one you are. That's hmm. what the best players do. They walk through there. Yeah. And you're like, man, is he on fire or is he struggling? I don't know. Yeah. 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 You can walk through there and they're, man, they're, they're 20 for the last 30 and they're bouncing around and they're full of energy. But then all of a sudden he goes through a slump and he's spot for the last 20 and they walk in there like Eeyore. I'm like, well, that's not a good player. <laughs> The yeah. same guy walks walks through the same door every day. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those are the things, again, like you said, is a choice. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, no. I, uh, Willie Taggart got me saying this a long time ago. He was that WKU football coach. And he yeah. always, you can have a great day if you want to. Um, and I have said <laughs> yeah, it yeah. ever since then. I'm like, oh, you can have a great day if you mm -hmm. want to. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times I'll send you know a message to a guy and, and you know something encouraging. And then I'll say, you can have a great day if you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's important for those guys to understand is when you walk through the door from the clubhouse to the indoor, that space, you can make the decision. Am I going to walk in there with a good attitude, positive, I'm going to be ready to work? Or mm -hmm. am I going to walk through there and, and woe is me? Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, that is, that's a choice. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, so that I, I will say too, like that is another lesson I learned in college. Um, I forget at what point it was, but I do remember, I think just hearing um, like a story about, oh wait, actually, you know what? Scratch this. This was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely George Brett when I was with the Royals. Like he was talk, he would talk about um, how like if he was on fire, like he would be, you know, motivated to keep working, but like he almost felt more uh, motivated whenever he had like a bad game. Cause then he was like, okay, well now I'm going to have to work even harder, you know, between uh, those games to, to get back to like where I know I should be. And I like to think of that as like a, a good story on like positioning your mind a little bit to say like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, regardless of what just happened that's behind me, um, I'm still going to come in like with the same like level of tenacity for the game. Like I'm still going to come in motivated, right? But also I can maybe use this. I can maybe use this as some right. motivation too if I need it. You know, like right. it's kind of fun. It's like, yeah, regardless of what just happened, like I'm, I'm still getting after it. 
you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I always felt honestly like more motivated after I did poorly. Like once I heard, I was like, Oh man, God. Well, I like, can't imagine being, uh, you know, a, a, a pitcher is, you know, like you, you have a mm-hmm. bad start or, or, and a lot of times there's days in between before you go back out there. Um, yeah. 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 Know, on the offensive side of things is, you know, you, that's the beauty of baseball. You play again tomorrow. Um, oh, no, yeah. So, uh, you know, you have the 0 for 4 day. Like, well, you have an opportunity the the next day to go out there and, and get better and, and do something different. A lot of things on the mound. You got mm. you got three or four days of stew on it. I could, I'm too competitive. There's no way I could handle that. Mm. Uh, but I, I can't imagine how hard that would be as a pitcher. But it, does it fuel you more if you love it? Like, all Maybe. right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to have two in a row. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, then that's that. I that's might be the biggest difference between uh, hitting and pitching. Like just on the mental side, is like for you guys, it's constant. It's always happening. Whereas like even a relief pitcher, like they're not going to be pitching back to back days very often. I mean, maybe one guy, like yeah. maybe, but he's also probably really good. So it's like, ah, like you got, like you said, you got it, you got to let it simmer a little bit, like let it let it stew, and you're like. Oh, geez like yeah it can mess with you for sure but i yeah i i do think that is where always kind of being in that like okay i'm either i'm either succeeding right now or i'm learning something from the failure like i just gotta i just gotta take something from whatever just happened and just keep building on that whether it's good or bad um i don't know i I, where did i hear that i definitely heard that from someone it was like either win or or you learn you gotta learn something out of it but yeah um yeah now i'm thinking about it um you're talking about like routines a little bit earlier and now i'm kind of curious like for your players specifically the younger players too if you're like giving them a routine or you're saying like hey look like these older guys like they got the routine like and that's why that's a big piece of their success like try to take from them um or or really just kind of figure it out on your own because like that actually might be the best way like is there an approach to that yeah, there is. Um, you know, first of all, like I don't like to cookie cut anything. Um, yeah, the player in front of me is the player that I'm going to try to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as far as building a routine, the young guys they 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 have to have me tell them what to do, or they'll go in there and just make up something. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so um, I I'm going to give them a routine. A lot of times it's very generic, mm-hmm. um, like low T away, uh, middle T regular. And then everyone is going to start with that plan for the first couple of weeks of the fall. We're all going to do the same thing and all learn from each other mm. throughout the course of that time. You know, if I watch a guy do a certain move, I may introduce him to a drill or something that um, he can start using. Well, that's why it just says middle T regular is now mm. he can do this drill there. Um, and maybe it works for that guy. And then all of a sudden I can pull another drill for that. It maybe helps another guy. And so the, the, the routine is very, very generic. And then all of a sudden you're able to branch out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I like to do a lot of, you know, band work, pole work, and then dry work at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so ours just says band series, pole series, dry series. That's it. But I will introduce those guys to a hundred different ones if I have to, until you find the three that work for you. And then I want you to do those every day. And, you know, the way I kind of describe them to them and something that I've learned um, from a very good friend of mine is I just call them vitamins. You got to take your vitamins every day. T- get up, take your Princeton vitamins. So, you yeah, don't yeah. get. well, when you come into cages, 
I don't want you to just go hop on the tee or front toss and start hitting. I want you to get your body and your mind ready to hit. And so the mm. band and the pole work and, and the draw work allows you to start learning how to move your body and organize your body um, mm. and then start turning it into muscle memory. Um, now, each one of those is different from guy to guy, depending on what his needs are, or what he's good at or what he's not good at. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I'll start developing that for them, you know, almost right away. And then the same thing with with the T and then the same thing with front toss. And then we get into machine work. And at that point, um, I don't care what your mechanics are. Let the ball tell you, like, if mm -hmm. you're doing something right. You know, yeah. There's, a, um, you know, an old book about golf, um, but you take it and translate is you're either working behind the ball or you're working in front of the ball. And so mm -hmm. when we're doing kind of our T work and things like that, if it's a drill, we're working behind the ball. Um, mm -hmm. I don't care where the ball goes. You know, if we were working on separating or creating space, did you create that space? And with the ball went up and I didn't want it to go up, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Like, did you do that behind the ball right? Yeah. Getting to the machine, and I just care about what the ball is out in front of you. So, Coach, I didn't feel like I, get, I got stretched enough or created enough space. You just hit that 110 off the back net. I don't care. <laughs> like, the ball just told me what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, And so, you know, trying to separate the two on, are you working behind it? Or are you working in front of it? And so walking them through each kind of plan for, Hey, on this, okay, I don't really care where the ball goes because we're working behind the ball mm -hmm. on this set. All right. Now we are working in front of the ball, like do what you have to do in order to move the ball this way. Um, and so it, the plans kind of, kind of develop from there. Now, if you could uh, assist me here, when you say create space, can you lay out like what that means specifically? Because I have something in my mind that's actually like golf related, like with the swing, like creating space. But I don't know if it's the same thing as what you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people and this is where hitting gets fun as they, you know, I try to make things really simple. Um, okay. So separation, match, uh, rubber band, all of those things. I, I'd sum it into one word and just say matching. And it's when your mm -hmm. hands go back, your foot goes forward. That's matching. I see. Okay. Separation. That's rubber band. That's creating space. Oh, um, yeah. Space yeah. for your body to move within here to get ready to hit. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of guys, they get tied up in here because they don't want to create space. Gotcha. Um, okay. And they match and create space yeah. to get ready to hit. And so, you know, we do a drill, you know, the Babe Ruth drill. And he just crosses his leg over, creates space, and hit. And a lot of times what happens is guys will pull the ball um, mm -hmm. off that because they don't step far enough on the tee. So if the ball's way out in front of them, I don't really care about that. Like that, we can just move you up a couple inches and you'd hit that ball up the middle. But sure. you created the space that mm -hmm. we were looking to get. You created that feel. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what I mean. Like, like I, they, they were like, man, coach, I rolled over. I'm like, we rolled over because we, we, we were too far behind the ball when you went to stride so you only could do is reach out and, and hook it around mm -hmm. but if we scoot you up and you did the exact same thing you did it off the back net and then we scoot them up and they see it off the back net and they're like wow and i'm like yeah i mean um but again you're just talking about working behind the ball or working in front of the ball um, mm -hmm. and creating space what what did you have in mind now i'm curious well i was definitely thinking about like like when you have that backswing and you're like, you know, you get to like the apex or whatever for your hands. But then when you start to like turn into the downswing, if your hips aren't like cleared enough, like, and they're far enough away from the ball too, like you literally have no space to like let your hands get through, or at least that's like what I've learned is like, 
I feel like if I'm like getting like really tight up in here and then like I start to like kind of have to like get under it so I can get through it as opposed to just staying like really level, then I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see, I can feel a stark difference between like what it feels like when I have a ton of space and like my hands just come through really nice and smooth versus like I'm forcing my hands like through my body. And uh, yeah, I, I would just think that for hitting like in baseball as well, I would want to feel like I have uh, a smooth transition between hands back and hands like, you know, through the ball. But yeah, uh, well, it, we were talking about the same thing. I'm just always going to start with with did you get separated on time? Like the load? Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then from there, if you are matching and you're doing these things and you still feel stuck or you're not creating space, it's mm. either a you didn't get started on time. So that's that's mm. your problem. Or yeah. a lot of guys will short stride themselves. They'll <laughs> just pick their foot up and put it right back down, and they're this far apart. Well, the only thing I can do is get get in here and get tied up. Like, you have to go somewhere, gain some ground. Mm. Uh, so, but that would be the second part uh, for me is I'm always going to try to start at the simplest solution. Um, you know, well, sorry to interject, but, like, I always found that really um, funny when I saw guys have, like, two strike approaches and they don't, like, move their feet at all. They literally just, like, pick up their heel and put it down. Because, like, Tommy White, for example. Like, when I see him do that, I'm like, okay. Why? Like, how is he having so much success with that? Like, maybe his hands are just, you know, blessed, right? But I think I, I could have swore I saw like a side can, uh, angle of him uh, doing the two strike approach swing. And I, I think I saw his like body moving forward just a little bit, maybe, but I could be wrong. I'm, I just like when I see that, I'm like, OK, there's got to be a different mindset about like, uh, you know, when he doesn't pick up his foot or whatever it is, because it's like I, I feel like I don't see that very often. But Yeah, I, I think uh <laughs> I don't like to try to make up things. I got to have to spend some time talking to him and figure out his swing. But yeah, I'll be yeah. about what he's saying is he wants to see the ball longer. He wants to give himself more time. And he's probably mm -hmm. looking to probably try to go backside and trust his hands that they're going to be fast yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, but he's a good backside hitter. So, I mean, I guess he has that, that kind of like ability yeah. to rely on. You know, and I like it's one of those things where, you know, I'd be, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I bet his ball and play average is probably pretty high because he hits the ball so hard. And so mm -hmm. two strikes, he's saying, you know what, if I put the ball in play, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's the thing that you have to do as a baseball player is like, you can look at the negatives or you can look at the positives. You get to choose again. Like we said, it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, like I get the two strikes, but like, all right, I can still compete with two strikes. But if I move the baseball, if I put the ball in play, I'm hitting 330. Well, then what if two strikes? You just said, all right, the only thing I got to do is put the ball in play and I'm hitting 330. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm to two strikes, but there's a runner on second base and there's nobody out. Like, I can just hit a 15 hopper to second base and move that guy to third. And I know my teammate behind me is going to score a run. Now I go back to the dugout. We go up one nothing in the first inning because mm -hmm. I moved the guy up because I was willing. Yeah, you didn't get a hit. But, like, again, no one cares about you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I try to tell our guys, especially early, is like there's only really two stats that I care about. Um, I was going to ask about the stats that you like to look at. Runs, runs that you score, okay, and runs that you drive in. Because the last I looked, that's the only way you can win and lose games. Hmm. I've never said, man, all right, he hit a 410, so we'll give him a couple extra runs. All right, yeah, yeah, 112. Look, let's let's give him another run here. You get a guy on base. Yeah. The only way is if they run across here and touch home plate. 
So how many did you score and how many did you help score? Um, hmm. And if you, you know, focus on those things, what you'll end up seeing is your ball and play average is higher. Your, yeah. your average is higher. Your, you hit more doubles. You'll start doing more things because, again, you start only looking out that way at how can I help my team. We start just looking this way. What's my average? What am I doing? Yeah. You, 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 what you did is you got yourself in a big ball. Um, you're not going to be able to get out of it. But you're like, hey, I got an opportunity right now with a runner on third to go 0 for 1, but hit a ground ball to shortstop. I drove in a run. That helped my team score a run. Mm. What ended up happening is that ball takes a weird hop and it goes up the middle, and now you got a hit, and you got the RBI. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to first be thinking that way. Um, mm. you just don't worry about yourself, especially in this game. One, you're not going to be that good teammate that I was talking about. And two, I just don't think, um, you're going to be able to consistently do that over the course of a long year is, mm. you know, a lot of times I talk, don't get a hit, don't get hit. Okay. Go up there and be, be really hard to get out. Think about it that way. Huh. Like guys are struggling. Like coach, I got to get a hit. And I'm like, no, you know, why don't you just go up there and see how hard you can be to get out? Yeah. Do that. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Like, don't worry about getting a hit. Mm. You don't get to control that. But like, all right, you go up there and be really tough to get out. Like spoil some breaking balls, hit some foul balls, like make it really tough to get out. Mm. And all of a sudden, even if you hit a ground ball, you can run a hard 90 and put pressure on them and maybe they throw it away. Just be tough to get out. But like that's what happened is we're like, oh, I gotta get a hit. And now yeah. like all of a sudden you're one for ten. And then the next thing you know. You're trying to get three hits and one at bat. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Just get one, yeah. then do the next one, and then just start progressing that way. But stop trying to get a hit. Just go be really tough to get out. Hmm. Uh, and so that is where it's fun for me as a, a college coach is to watch these guys um, kind of want to ride the roller coaster. And my personality just isn't like that. I'm usually pretty just straight across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so teaching them, hey, man, like, um, you know, like yesterday is over with. Mm. What do you want? You mean you mean to go back yesterday and, and help you not strike out four times? Let's go back. I'll fix it for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's Saturday and we can get ready to go out here today and we can just have four tough at bats where we're hard to get out. Um yeah. and it should be just fine. Uh I'm being reminded now of a catcher that I used to have, and uh he was so animated, just like even if he would get out, he'd be like, Oh my god almost hit a home run right there like and he was almost like happy he's like oh i'm like i'm right there like i'm right there like he's flying out but it's like oh he you can tell like he's he's like excited for the next at bat because he's like yeah. on to something and you're like yeah oh that guy he <laughs> he's in another world like he he's not worried about getting the hit or whatever like he's just like oh am i doing what i plan to do correctly like am i executing my plan well or something like that well it's the number one thing that that we start with and that i'm on our guys on the most to be honest with you is are you talking to yourself or are you listening to yourself because mm. if you're listening you're going to hear why you stink at this game why you should quit why you should go home why everyone is better than you mm. and then you know, that's what you get but if you're going to talk to yourself listen i've worked really hard i'm really good i'm playing in the acc i'm at notre dame like i am the starting shortstop i am this if you're talking to yourself then all of a sudden you will see the results that follow yeah. And so it's very, very important to, and you know, like I'll see a guy in, in his body lane. I'm like, you, you talking to yourself or listening to yourself right now? Again, they have a decision to make mm-hmm. because they're either going to say, I'm listening to myself or I'm going to start talking to myself. 
either one, um, you know, they, they get to decide. But as soon as you start talking to yourself um, each day and, and, and telling yourself and reminding yourself how awesome you are, mm-hmm. um, usually that's what happens. Well, and when you're listening to yourself to a degree, you're also listening to some something else on the outside a little bit. I mean, it's so funny when you turn on the TV these days and uh, all these baseball pundits, you know, God bless them, like it's their job to talk about baseball and stuff. But there's a reason why, like, even if their team is doing amazing, they're like, oh, the so-and-so star is hitting 330 in the last 10 games or whatever. It's like all they care about is like, the individual stats of this guy and this guy, like they're not talking about the seven, eight, nine hitter that are like consistently putting together great at bats. Like maybe if you're watching the game they have to talk about him when he's up, but not during like the talk shows where it's like, right. All we're doing is talking about who's in the uh, MVP race. And it kind of creates this like false, like, um, like motivation, I guess, like when you're watching to say like, Oh yeah, like I need to be like that guy in order to have success in this game. It's like, not really, though. I mean, sure, every, every team might need a guy or two like that, but it's also got seven or eight other guys in the lineup that are, like, doing their job consistently to help them, like, be as good as they are, too. So well, I, I think the Atlanta Braves are a great example right now. Oh, Everybody man. Everybody in the lineup is, is hitting 30 homers, it feels like, and, and driving in 100. <laughs> but they're all feeding off of each other. Yeah, and couldn't be the other one without the guy in front of him, mm-hmm. and that's again what I'm always trying to talk to our guys about is and the shortstop for the Braves is sitting in the eight hole. And he was an he was an all star this year, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, like and that's their eight hole hitter. Um, but you know, is they feed off of each other, and and you know what I would encourage every young kid to do a lot more is like I don't think enough of these kids watch the game. Um, is they just will watch Twitter, they will just watch the highlights. Mm-hmm. Is I mean, you have to sit down and if you really want to be good is watch the game, watch it play out. Mm. Uh, I think that's where, you know, today's world is lost sight of it is, I don't know if they watch a lot of games, sit down and watch a whole nine inning game. And especially like you're getting yeah. a bunch of guys that like John Smoltz, like he teaches me so much when I listen to him commentate a game. Oh man. Yeah. There's some great commentators out there. Amazing. He teaches me so many things and mm-hmm. um, you know, um, but sit down and listen to them talk about the game and sit down and watch the entire game. Mm. Uh, and you'll be amazed at how much you'll learn in that um, short amount of time just watching a baseball game. Mm-hmm. I don't know that enough kids do that anymore. Um, I'd have to think it's uh, it's down from maybe 10 years ago or so, maybe when I was a kid, um, maybe so 15 years ago now. now. You yeah, games, you can do this. You got your phone. Um, there's just, you know, there's there's so many different things that they could go and do. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it takes away from them actually sitting down and, and watching the game. Now they, already, they, they have more games to watch than I could ever watch because <laughs> yeah. I go home at night and I get on the MLB app on my phone or my TV there mm. and I can watch every game that's on tonight. Like, when I was growing up, like you, you had to hope that the Braves were playing somewhere close or uh, Cardinals, and that was like I had like a few handful of games mm-hmm. that I could pick from. Yeah, uh, these guys they can watch every single game if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'm always watching the Angels, or I was always watching the Angels when I was a kid. Like <laughs> it didn't even matter what was going on in the game. It was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna watch the Angels. Like we're just gonna like digest the big leagues. Like why not? Um, and now there are. 
definitely a few little outlets that I, I've picked up on where like they, they do good breakdowns of uh, like what a pitcher might be doing well in this outing. And uh, I really love those types of things too. I love, I love watching videos that are like really breaking down a pitcher. I don't know if they have those for hitters, maybe. They do. Um, they do. Yeah, they've got to. And I guess that actually kind of goes into what I was going to ask you in terms of like what you like to consume uh, in order to like learn for yourself, because it sounds like um, the information that you like to retain and like really uh, take in it's out there for the taking. And it, it always um, like, it, I was always curious as a younger player um, to kind of like know what a college coach or a professional coach is like looking into in order to like learn um, for themselves so that they can teach their players. Cause it always felt like, Oh, these coaches, like they know all this stuff, but like, where do they get this information from? You know? Yeah. Well, I love to read. Um, okay. And, you know, I, for me, I, I like reading books and taking that information and again, like developing relationships with players. That's probably my, you know, whether that's in the recruiting process or when they're here, but mm -hmm. taking information from books helped me kind of connect with different players a little bit more. Um, so mm -hmm. I like to read. Um, and then, you know, I want to go to who I feel like are the best coaches in any sport. Um, and then what are they doing or what are they saying about coaching and how are they handling situations? How are they handling players? Um, mm. and then just like the NFL, it's a copycat league. That's all the NFL is. It's a copycat league. It's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and so then I tried to, you know, how can I take something that maybe I heard Nick Saban say? How can I bring that back here? How can I take something that's, you know, someone else has taught me somewhere mm. uh, and then bring it back? Um, and then, again, never be afraid to keep on learning. Um, you know, so we we're talking about the plans and stuff that we do with the guys. Like, I've, I've hit with a guy before and we've done something off the tee and it looked awesome. We've done something off front toss that looked awesome. We did mm. something off short overhand and it looked awesome. And then we put it on the machine and it was it, it looked fine and here's the ball fine. But my eyes and my instincts told me at game time that wouldn't work. And I said, well, stop. All right, we got to restart. Because hmm. uh, I just didn't like the way it was organized his body when the velo started coming. I just didn't like it. My body, my my instincts told me this is this is not going to work. But you can't be afraid of those things. Um, and so, you know, I tried to to read, look at other coaches um, and then I'm so lucky to have so many friends in this game that um, I can call and and talk to and, hey, what are mm -hmm. you guys working on? What are you guys doing? Um, you know, we got a guy struggling with this. Like, what have you done with a guy like this? Hmm. Uh, and so trying to lean on, you know, other coaches and, um, you know, guys that maybe I played with that are still playing or, you know, guys that, um, you know, I know that are coaching in the big leagues, coaching in, you know, any level of baseball, like, I want to pick their brain. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'm, uh, I like to write things down a lot. I'm a big writer. Um, and so okay. you write something down um, and then you'll end up going back to find it because another player struggling with that. And this is the progress that we took to get him to where he was. Mm -hmm. And then you can just recycle it. Um, but I think staying organized and staying on top of it and then not being afraid to ask for help. Um mm -hmm from from other coaches is is you know, I don't know everything about hitting um but what I do know is I want to try to help our guys be the best they can at it and so I'm I'm willing to go to any links I need to do mm. uh try to teach them um so you know that's that's for me it's it's books it's 
it's looking at, you know, coaches that have been really successful, players that have been really successful, mm. um, and taking the information that they share. Um, and, you know, in my phone, in my note section, I, I don't know why it's called player book suggestions, but that's just the title that I came up with. But inside of there, I mean, it is a laundry list of, of videos that I found on Twitter, mm. Instagram, YouTube, Bay yeah. As soon as I find one I like, I copy the link and I and I put it in there and then I give it a title. And uh, I'll find that information and I just keep collecting it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I try to encourage our guy and I'll send it to our guys as a group or as an individually. But I try to encourage our guys like, hey, you get some downtime, like watch some of these videos again. Mm-hmm. Like, I was going back and they're all like in our group me of you guys, like you can go in there and just read them, rewatch them. Mm. Um, and just stay fresh on it so you know that's one thing that you know that I do and I get a message every morning that my iCloud is almost full and it drives me insane <laughs> I'm like you know what like I'm going to keep collecting these videos um, yeah. and go into this note section and if I lost if someone wanted to really hurt my feelings they would take my phone and they'd delete this note section um, and oh man and because it just has such a collection of information um, you know yeah um, about, you know, when guys go through different things, um, you know, hmm. and whether it's on the field or off the field, and I like to make notes of things that I found so that, um, I can be there for them. And so it's a good place hmm. for me to start. Um, and so all of those things are with embedded within there and hmm. I know where they are and I know where to find them. So a player struggling with something off the field, I right, here's something I can go to, to make, whether it's a, uh, encouragement. Uh, whether it's hey here's the resource to go see or here's like what I can do for you mm-hmm. but I have it all in one spot so I know where to find it um and so wow. I would encourage young hitters like why do they not why do you not have that like you're on Twitter all the time why are you not copying the link and put it in one place and giving it a title you don't have time but, <laughs> yeah yeah um you know and and so um to, to have those and to collect them um hmm. and so that's that's one thing where i like to get a lot of information they're all big league guys um hmm. I, I don't take anything from not that no one else other than them know anything about hitting but they are at the highest level and and they're there for a reason so yeah those are the that I, I i'm going to to lean on the most that's so funny because like I, I know in my notes uh i've got like a bunch of like routine stuff like, cause I'm terrible about remembering my routine. Like I, I have to write it down or I'm going to forget. Like, it's just a thing. And when you're in your position and you have so many different types of players that you're working with, it's gotta be so hard to know how to communicate with all of them and keeping something like that, like that log, you can kind of just go into that little database log and you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe I wouldn't have thought to do this initially, but when I go back and look at all this stuff, like I have a, a bunch of different avenues I can go down in terms of ways to communicate certain things with players. And I mean, yeah, that I feel like that every coach should be doing that. Oh my gosh. Like that's, a, that's a great idea. You need to save that onto like a hard drive or something. I'm saying yeah, that right I now. Do because there's something, <laughs> And I feel like I'm constantly adding to it because mm. these guys, they keep giving people more and more access to them, whether yeah. hitting, talking, and so um, I'll just keep on collecting it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I like I tell our guys all the time and they'll say something like, I know that you don't care that I have a lot going on. Like, I know you don't mm-hmm. care about is me helping you get better. And I don't blame you. 
So that's why I'm never going to give you an excuse on why I can't go and do this or why hmm. I won't work as hard for you. It's like, I want to develop this plan for you because at the end of the day, I know that like you are self-serving on this as you should be because this is your routine. Now hmm. we go play. Now it's a team sport. Um, so yeah. all of those things is, you know, is we'll start talking about being inside the ball um, or, hmm. you know, something like that. And maybe a video that I sent to someone else, um, they then share it with that guy and it connects with him. So mm-hmm. it gets back to what this whole kind of conversation started about is, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of the culture in our, you know, our indoor facility is those videos, they share them with each other. Yeah. That's how they begin to connect the pieces is, hey, Logan sent me this and now let me teach you. Mm-hmm. So again, as it kind of comes back twofold here, is that's that's why I have all this, why I encourage all this is, um, you know, the one thing about me is I don't ever do anything without a plan or a purpose. If I don't know either one of those, I just don't do it. Because I, I, hmm. I don't know, like, why? why? Yeah. So I want our guys, and I'm like, why were you doing that? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, then don't do that. Like, I, it's not that hard. But you got to do everything with a plan and with a purpose. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we're like, what, what's going on? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why you're doing that. So I don't know why I'm going to go up there and do that. Mm. Like I'm not good. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't help me understand the plan and the purpose, I literally don't care. Um, <laughs> and if anybody's like me, cause I'll, I do this or I, I used to do this a bunch. Like I love to experiment with kind of um, like the pitching side of things. Like, and sometimes with purpose, other times, not so much. It would just be like, all right, let's just try a grip and just see what happens. Like may, maybe something cool will happen. And you know, I don't, I don't even know what to expect, but maybe something great comes out of this. And it's like, so it's, how often is that going to work? Yeah, I don't do it on on uh, offense, but it's funny you say that about grips. Is uh, hmm. our guys will have the rap soto set up down there? Yeah, and um, I'll start just, just I call it mucking, mucking with grips, and hmm. I'll start just changing my grip on balls, and like. I, I now give them a hard time as I'll go down there. And I'm like, yeah, I got a 10 pitch mix. Like, yeah, yeah. Ball. But like, I do have a great time, like experimenting, like with pitches, like my, my split fastball nowadays is disgusting. Um, I could get no one out with it, but um, <laughs> it, on the metric side of like being on the rap Soto, it yeah. says out of this world, my change up, same thing. I would literally not get one person out with it, but metrically it says, man, this is out of this world. Oh, um, now we're getting into pitching. Oh man. No, you you do not want to get into pitching with me. I, I, <laughs> no, uh, it's just so funny that you say that. Like, like just the metrics of it all. Cause I feel like with hitting, you guys actually get a little bit of a uh I don't know if it's a luxury or it's just like a um it's like it's like a addition by subtraction. It's like the the lack of all that like data on like every little thing, it kind of allows you guys to like not have to dive into every little thing too much and try to be so perfect. Yeah. I mean, I, at the end of the day, like I'm a old school hitting coach. Like I think line yeah. drive will work and like, let's be short, quick and strong to the ball. But I do like using technology side of things. Um, mm-hmm. It helps me one connect with the guy a little bit more. Um, it also is uh, I can show them what I'm already seeing. And so I can be like, you see, I'm not that big of an idiot. Like when you're swinging, deep, like I don't need this to tell me it, but since you yeah. think I do, here you go. So it yeah. helps me connect that way. Um, but at the end of the day, like I want to use that as a, you know, a light 
on on the on the path and not the path and then i'm just the light yeah um, yeah yeah I, yeah. i would much rather go in there and, and put all the sweat and hours in than just plug them up to some machine and say make your numbers look like this um and then you mm. can play baseball here um but it is good to connect and and i think it's also fun to watch track the progress Mm-hmm. All right, man, you came in and you were hitting it this hard. Now you're hitting it this hard. All right, you were coming in doing this. Now you're doing this. And so it's fun to see um, the progress that they're making. But, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, I'm I'm, I'm pretty old school. Um, when, hmm. you know, I want to hit line drives. I want to swing at strikes and take balls. Um, you know, I don't want yeah. to be getting um, too complicated. I think that's that's gets back to what you said is when they get in the box, I don't want them worried about mechanics. Like it's, it's hmm. now a competition. Um, between the guy on the mound and and you and um, you know you you got to just worry about that if you if you're worried about your hands and your mechanics and this and that and the other uh, you're beat you're beat. Okay, I'm not now I'm gonna bring it up because uh, I feel like Twitter is just such a great like place to to dive into with some baseball stuff because I and I I'm not gonna call the kid out or whatever but I definitely remember seeing a video circulating around pretty recently um of a kid like I think he was uh hitting like BP somewhere or something but his uh his exit videos were like great I think he was he was uh, he maybe had posted them or they were in the video somewhere but he was posting like really good exit videos I'm talking like like 107 like 110s and I'm just like yeah, he smashes the ball. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He puts barrel on the ball. Great. Um, but like when I look at the swing as a pitcher, I see it and I'm like, I mean, he's got the biggest holes in that swing yeah. ever. So I'm like, do I really care that much if you're hitting 110, if you can hit it, hit 110, uh, you know, once in a blue moon? Like, mm, I don't know if I really do. It, yeah. Uh, I, I would rather have the guy that's disciplined in there that um, can be a line-to-line hitter um, and that at the end of the day is going to do whatever he has to do to help our team win, whether that's a bot, whether that's a moving runner, to hit a sack fly, to hit a ground ball, um, and just the overall good hitter is mm-hmm. is the guy that I would, I would much rather have on our team than a guy that um, – yeah, it can have hit it one ten, but you have to throw it up and away. But if you throw anything down under his hand, he's going to swing and miss. Um, yeah, I think I can help you uh, organize your body better to hit it sure. one hundred ten. I think you can get stronger and hit it one hundred ten. I don't think you can have holes in your swing and at this late in the game, all of a sudden make these drastic changes. To I think it's just easier to go the other way around. In my opinion, I just think yeah, at a high school kid like. No, no, give me the kid that does all of those things and maybe doesn't hit it as hard. But like let's get him here and, and let's let's lift and 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 let's get stronger um and let's organize our body better. And I bet the exit belows will continue to climb. Um yeah. But, um, you know, you just have to find what you value, um, what you what you value the most. Some coaches value hard hit rate and this rate and that rate, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, coach to that. Other coaches value the small ball thing and, and hitting and running and bunting and moving runners. And they coach to that. What you can't do is you can't try to blend those two where you just have a bunch of crap. Um, yeah. You are convicted to what you're sold out to and coach that. But then you also have to recruit to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a, a running small ball team, like 
having a bunch of guys that are are big physical guys it probably doesn't doesn't fit what you're trying to do mm-hmm. um and so i think you know figuring out um what type of you know offense that you want to run and want to coach um kind of dictates that and you know at the end of the day like i just want our you know our offense to be a, you know whether the wind's blowing in or the wind's blowing out i want us to be able to find a way um to score runs and to beat you um and so mm-hmm. You know, you you can't get sold on one way and and not on the other. You you, you better figure out a way to to score, especially in this league. Um, oh yeah, as a you know as many ways as you possibly can. And I think that's where pitching and specifically like recruiting pitchers can kind of bleed, or maybe it hasn't. But I'm just imagining that it's bled into the hitting a little bit because of the technology um like prevalence in the game because you can look at a very raw pitcher with some great stuff and say like okay there's something there if we can make it work it's going to be fantastic it's kind of like that high risk high reward sort of bet and some coaches love that they'll go get them and they believe that they can change that guy develop him whatever you want buzzword you want to use and then turn him into, you know, a superstar. And it's like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, it's possible. It's not impossible, that's for sure. But it's definitely more of a gamble than the other side, which is getting that guy where it's like, okay, he's clearly not ready now, talent-wise. Like, it's not there. But you bring him in, you put him through your sort of systems of development, and you say, okay, we are projecting that he can – he can make strides, gains, and eventually he will be a superstar. But the way that we develop that guy versus the first guy are just so drastically different. Right. You kind of have to do both, though, a little bit. I, I would imagine, like, because you, you, you can't have all guys that are not like there yet and need all this time, I, I would think. But because the talent, like, sometimes that talent, it's like that could be game changing talent. So, right. Well, I mean, pitching is, is, for me, it's all about disrupting timing. Like, I think the yeah. are the guys that can really disrupt your timing. Um, hmm. You know, face guys that throw 98, but that's all they have. So I just geared up for the fastball. And sometimes they beat me, but most time they didn't. Uh, or guys that just threw a breaking ball. Like, it's easy to just sit on a breaking ball and know it's coming. It was a guy that was unpredictable, um, that, hmm. you know, that was, that was hard to hit. And, you know, either way, in both scenarios – Okay, and that's why, like, when I'm recruiting a pitcher, I, I keep things very – like, there's three things I, I do when I'm recruiting a pitcher. And okay. it could be on either spectrum of what you're talking about. As I sure. write on my piece of paper, I write down the word Sam. Okay, Sam swings stands for swing and miss in Italian. Yeah. Okay, and then I go to – and then I write – right below that, I write three ball. And then mm-hmm. right below that, I write one, two, three. So how many three ball counts do you go to? How many one, two, three innings do you get? How many swing and miss do you get? Um, and this, the, the swing and miss helps me is it tells me there's good action at the plate or there's not. The hitters are, you're deceiving them in some way because they're swinging and missing. Yeah. Um, three ball help, like three ball, you're not going to throw enough strikes. I, I don't care how hard you throw, how good your stuff is, how much time, like you have to throw strikes. Um, yeah. You know? And then yeah. one, two, three. Um, a lot of times is this kind of a dictator of both of them kind of combined for me is you're getting mm-hmm. some services like you're not going to three ball counts. So you're going to one, two, three innings. Um, mm-hmm. Ever do I keep hits or strikeouts or I, I don't really, 
these are the things that I, as a pitcher, if you can get a bunch of swing and misses, you stay out of three ball counts and you can go one, two, three, um, you're going to be good. And so that development, yeah. it, you, maybe, you know, that guy needs more time here, but the metrics are good. But if he mm. doesn't meet these requirements, I, I can't, what do you want me to do with you? Um, yeah. At the end of the day, we can only have so many players on the team um, and somebody has to pitch. I'm sure every once in a while we take a shot on a guy, but like maybe, maybe, uh, but you have to have the rest of your class kind of built out and your team, you know, built out where that guy can come in. Um, and I, I typically, you know, I don't like recruiting guys to sit on the bench. I, I, I'm recruiting you to play and play as soon as you get here. Um, so hmm. I, I don't have time for you to go is, you know, I want to try to get guys in here, recruit to our needs. And as a freshman, like you're getting, you're getting thrown in the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a freshman start at Wrigley Field last year. Like, here you go. You're starting – we're playing at Wrigley Field. You're going to tow the rubber at Wrigley Field. Yeah. Um, the freshman start, you know, 50-something games at second base that had never played second base before. Um, but it didn't matter. We needed him to get ACC and college experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needed to get out there. And and I can teach you everything you want to know about hitting or fielding or baseball in general, what I can't teach you is experience. You you can only get that yourself. Yeah. Um, and so the only way to get that is, is to play and to play at this level. And, you know, I want guys to come in and, and be thrown into the fire and, and be excited about that. Mm. And I'll, I'll tell them, it's like, I'm not going to throw you to the wolves. If we're, you know, you're a right-handed hitter and we're facing right louder and that stuff is nasty. If I can keep you out of the lineup that day, you're going to, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, now the next year you're going to have to be better and, and your sophomore junior year, like you're going to have to go compete with them, but your freshman year, if I can keep you out to protect you, um, I will. Um, but <laughs> I want you to play, um, and expect to come here and play and play right away. And so, um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you oftentimes will have more time on the mound with guys, but it's the same thing. Um, you know, if they're not pitching a lot as a freshman, um, they're not gaining that experience. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, Fifth and sixth inning in a Tuesday game, what are the the most meaningless innings in all of college baseball? And like you throw those every week, like what, like what did you really get better at? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I want those guys that that are gonna pitch, you know, in in the eighth and ninth inning, um, when we're up three or down three, you get a chance to keep the score right where it is. And now, you know, we got a shot to go in the top half or the bottom half of the inning and, and tie this thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's real experience. Um, yeah, that's, that's real pressure. And as a freshman, to be thrown in those situations, I think that's how they get better. Um, mm. So you know, playing early and and those things are something that um, you know it's just very important to me. Those guys that are that want to play right away. Do you um, let them know that? Do you say like, "Hey, look, like we're expecting all you guys to be ready and prepared for coming into big situations," you know, big bigger moments um and like we that's that's like our way of testing you guys to the best degree it, it i do um and a lot of times their reaction um to that um and their voice tells me they love it or they don't yeah. um and um you know a lot of times you know I, I will the only thing we give our guys is more under armor gear than they know what to do with <laughs> um, yeah everything else they're gonna have to earn but i want you to come in here with that's the expectation um is you know we we are bringing you in here to get ready to play and to mm-hmm. play right now 
um, and to go help us win in a very, very tough league right now. Mm. And that, believe it or not, that scares some kids, which is no problem. Those just aren't the kids that typically we're going to recruit. Mm. Um, you know, as you know, here, um, we want to develop the high school kid and we, we want to do things a little bit different than, you know, maybe that's happening in all of other college athletics is I still believe in high school kids. I still think you can bring high school kids in and you can develop them. You can work with them. Um, and you know what, like they may take a couple, you know, bumps on the chin, but in a couple of years, they're going to be the ones giving out the bump and the, um, the bumps and the bruises, but you have to develop them first. Um, and you have to put them around guys that have been through those hardships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times that's that's the hardest thing, right, is, is getting everybody through all of those hardships. Or now you just have one class that's going to be going through them. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it was last year that was the importance of having, you know, our second baseman play is the guy playing shortstop made seven errors, but was a fifth year starter. It's, hey, man, I've been where you've been. Um, let me teach you. And so if you just throw out a bunch of freshmen, yeah, you're probably going to get you're going to get your head pounded in. But if you can throw out a good mix of all of them, whether they, you know, they're growing through this together, I, I think that's, you know, I think that's kind of the the outlook and, and the vision that I have for for this team as I'm trying to kind of develop the the roster and go out on the road recruiting is, all right, where does this guy fit in? Um, mm-hmm. and, and how can we get him out there early and what role does he play? Um, well, has the... Uh the rule the new uh, august one rule has that helped you with that because maybe you get to see guys for a little bit longer before you have to start or not have yeah. to but get to start talking to them yeah i mean uh i'm always going to be in favor of anything that helps kids make better decisions and i think this does mm. um yeah you know, i i think i want kids to do is i want them to use baseball and not let baseball use them and too many times <laughs> kids get it backwards and yeah. so, like, you could go ask half of the kids in the 26th class, you know, what, what they want for lunch today, and they'll say, I don't know. But you know where you want to go to school for four years. Okay, got it. Um, and so I, I'm in favor of anything that helps them make, um, you know, a, a better decision. Mm. Um, and you know what? Like, the the extended date where we don't get – it helps. Um, why not? Like, what am I going to talk to a, a sophomore or a freshman in high school about it? If they can't drive, they don't care about politics. Um, there's, we start running out of things to talk about. Oh um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I can only talk about SpongeBob SquarePants for so long before I'm like, I don't, I've <laughs> never seen the show, but I'll pretend that I have. So it's again, a great show. for me, it's <laughs> what can we do to help these kids make better informed decisions hmm. uh, where they want to go to school and spend their life and, and, you know, the three or four years that you're in college are the most important years of your life. Um, and how can we make sure that kids are making the right decision? And, um, you know, for me, you know, they, whatever they change the rule to, it's not going to affect me and, and how much I enjoy doing this. I'm just going to follow it um, and continue mm-hmm. my job and go out and evaluate and go out and recruit um, and and stay within the lines that they give me. Um, yeah. Players, we're going to, we're going to develop relationships um, and, you know, we're going to stay, you know, right where we are, but I, I, I want high school kids. Um, I'm not afraid to say it. Um, and, and those are the guys that I want to develop and, you know, kind of be around every day. I feel like, okay. So the way that you kind of framed it just there, it actually made me realize like it gives those freshmen and sophomore players a lot more time to prepare 
themselves to, for when they do need to talk to you. So I guess the advice maybe is, hey, if you're a freshman, sophomore, like you got some time, but you need to start thinking about this type of stuff, like what you're going to say to these coaches, because they're going to want to know, you know, the important stuff, like we talked about earlier, like what you actually want out of a college experience or the type of school that you want to go to, right? Right. Um, and yes, it gives them time. And I think, you know, the you have to be yourself. But I think some kids, mm-hmm. they have more time. Like now, like talk to more humans. Don't worry about trying to stage this um conversation for when you're gonna you don't need to call your uncle and your uncle pretend that he's a college baseball coach and you guys practice it why don't you just call your uncle and ask him how his day was going i've like, done this before i'm sorry yeah no it's that's just but that's just like that but again i could swear i've done this before yeah yeah but that but a lot of kids do it and um, when i get you on the phone like i i i already know that you've done that like you don't have to almost slip up and call me uncle jack like I like you're know. reading something it's like yeah. um okay so i want yes i want a big uh big football school um i would also like really good academics and it's like all right you missed the mark you missed the yeah. mark here <laughs> um is is i want kids to be the their authentic self and so mm. again be a good communicator um you mm. know if we're talking about this let's talk about it um, you know, I think, you know, it gives them time to mature, um, and, and things like that, but, you know, like talk to more, get off your phone, like go talk to your uncle. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to actually get better at don't call and ask them to do that or, or your grandma, like, won't you just spend more time talking to them? Cause when I get you on the phone, like then you and I are going to have the same similar conversation, mm-hmm. um, and, and you'll better understand how to just interact with people. And then, yeah, I mean, people always like, well, it's got to be the right fit. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And that's time they can't give me an answer. I'm like, so someone just told you that. And so, you know, I try to help kids in that process. I'm very, very passionate about mm. helping kids make the right decision. Um, I, I've talked to countless kids that we've been talking on the phone. And I said, hey, man, like, I think you should go to that school. Like, everything that you're saying doesn't sound like us. Like, you should commit there. What are we doing? You're the first coach to ever say that. I'm just gonna uh, say that right now. <laughs> um, and and then they do, and they're like, well, they yeah. and people say that to me all the time. I'm like, yeah, but like, what, like, what am I just gonna collect players? Like, locals Friday night guy's gonna be good no matter who we recruit. Like, he's still gonna yeah. be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, me collecting players and just trying to not let kids go somewhere else. Like, what does that actually do? Um, you know, a, a kid the other night from the Midwest called and. I think he's going to a very good program, but like it wasn't the right fit for us. And we had spent a lot of time talking on the phone. Mm. Um, and I said, man, go there. Like, what are you doing? They gave you a great offer. Um, it's a great coaching staff, a great, like great opportunity to like, go there. Mm. Text me the next day and told me to commit there. I said, congratulations. Um, and mm. so I try to help kids in the process, figure out what the right fit is. And, you know, what are you looking for? And I try to always, I guess because of baseball, do things in threes, three strikes, three outs, I have no idea. Um, but, you know, like when I think about it for kids is, you know, I always start with the education. Mm. Okay. What is uh, your college experience going to look like? Mm-hmm. And then the third is is the baseball, but in that order. Um, okay. And what do you want those three to look like? And if you can answer those three, once you find that school, go there. Because if you're always looking for something, you're always looking for something. And if you're always just going to say the grass is greener over there, it's only greener where you water it. That's that's where the grass is greener. 
Yeah. And so I try yeah. to encourage kids like, hey, like, you know, coach, I don't really, I don't care that much about academics. Well, don't come to Notre Dame because this is the best degree money can give you. Yeah. If you don't care about yeah. it, then this isn't a place for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, coach, I don't like college football. Then you would have hated last Saturday when college game day was here and there was thousands and hundreds of people running around here. But if like, all right, I want a really good like degree. Okay. All right. I really want a good college experience. Well, every Saturday here for a home football game is out of this world. Mm-hmm. We're not that far from Chicago. We're not that far from the lakes in Michigan. We're not that far from Indy. Um, you got a lot of things that you can do um, and go and enjoy and be as a staff, take the time to make sure that our guys can go to all the hockey games, go to the basketball games, go to the football games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to give you that good college experience again. We value that. And then you get into the baseball side of things and, and that's a different conversation. But, um, you know, when you decide to come to Notre Dame, I don't think you give up any of those things. You, mm-hmm. you get them. And there's certain places where the academics is really high, but maybe the baseball isn't, or maybe the baseball is really good, but the college experience is not in any order that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hear you, you get literally the best degree money can buy and, and the opportunities that you have beyond baseball here are boundless. And the alumni mm-hmm. that we have and and the reach that it has, you know, from coast to coast, but, um, you know, worldwide. Um, you know, oh, America, yeah. This is, I think there's only two logos in, in, the, in the whole world that are, you can take anywhere and people know where they are. And I think one of them is the interlocked NY for New York Yankees. And I think the other one is the interlocked ND. I think you can take that just about anywhere you want in the world. And people can go, that's the Yankees, that's Notre Dame. But yeah. That, that's what we have here. And again, um, it's not a knock on any other MLB team or college team. It's just, mm. again, the brand that Notre Dame has built is mm. you get that when you come here. Um, mm. And so, you know, more times than not, I look at our guys when they look stressed. I'm like, why are you stressed? There's not a scenario where you lose. I think about it this way. No, no there's like, not. <laughs> in, in, ten, in 10 years, you're either a millionaire or you're in the big leagues. Which one do you want? Because I'll take the other one. It doesn't matter to me. But those are kind yeah. of your options. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're at a place like this, like recruiting um, is fun. Um, is, hey, like we're going to talk about baseball. Do you love it? Like, do you want to be a big leaguer? And then start talking about, hey, this is what this place can do for you after you get done playing in the big leagues. Or, mm-hmm. you know what, if God has a different plan for you, here's what this school can do for you. Um mm-hmm. And again, when you start breaking those, you know, things into like, these are the right fit for me. These are the three things I'm looking for. Mm. Then you start end up making the right decision. And then with inside of those three, okay, you need to make three more. Um, I want to stay close to home. Well, if I'm mm. recruiting kid from California and tells me I want to stay close to home, I can go tell our, you know, our AD, our president or whoever, hey, the number one player in the country is in California. It's too far from home. Can we move our campus out there? No, we can't. It's right here in South Bend. Yeah. So this isn't a good fit for you. Hmm. Um, you know, or you know, things like like that are like, hey, like these are the things that like we can do. What what are the fits that you're looking for? Hmm. What are the things that you value? I value a coaching staff that I can communicate with. Okay. Let me tell you how we do that. Um, and I always tell kids it's not, I will never ever um badmouth another school or university or coaching staff if you have questions you just need to go spend more time talking to them you're not going to hear it from me um Mm. and um you know i think if you have questions on hey coach like 
I want a coaching staff that that I can communicate with and talk to. How how often are you talking to those college coaches? Uh, once a month. Well, that's not enough. It's not enough. You need to talk to them once a week. Yeah. You you need to like you can't ask for something and then and then not do it because then you're going to end up making the wrong decision. Mm. Um, and so again, those are the things where I try to help help kids in the recruiting process. And um, at the end of the day, I think if they value the things that we're valuing, they're going to come to Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, and I'm and I, I'm not worried about them going somewhere else and and not picking here. I'm really not. Um, and so that's why I'm not afraid to tell them to commit to that school. Is like we don't value the same thing. I, yeah, I, yeah. I need you to be here, and you'd be unhappy, and I'm not happy to coach you. Mm-hmm. Um, is you need to go there, and um, you know, I, I tell them, I say, listen, don't take this the wrong way, but if you decide not to come here, like we'll still have uniforms and everything next year. It'd be pretty cool. But hmm. you have to live with this decision for the rest of your life. And if you make the bad one, um, then are we going to be able to accept it? And that's where I, as a college coach, can't accept it. Is no, hmm. I don't like the portal. Um, you know, I, I think we're losing sight of what the portal was created for. Um, and that's my big yeah. issue. Is the portal was yeah. created for that kids that maybe academically struggled or off the field uh, struggled. Mm-hmm. Is had the opportunity to go in the portal, um, sit out their year, go somewhere else and regroup and restart their life so they could still have success. Mm-hmm. Um, and now to see it just being just people just dancing and moving around. Again, I, I want kids to have opportunities and I want people to be able to play and I want sports to be competitive. But I don't want to lose sight of of kids not being able to regroup and reset their life if they need to. Yeah, they're um, running from their problems in a sense. Yeah, and those problems are just at the next school too. They just take their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, you you got to look in the mirror and say, "Hey, you know, this is maybe my problem, and I need to fix this." Um, yeah. that's not not on the school. Um, and as adults and as you know, the coaches, I think that's some of our responsibility. Now, mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches do a great job of telling kids that they just refuse not to listen. So at that point, you have to let them go and and make their bad decisions. And what are you going to do? You can't save everyone. And so it's a, That's you know, true. It's, a it's a catch 22. Um, and there's, there's no right or wrong answer on it. Mm. Uh, you know, like I said, as long as we never lose sight of what the transfer portal was created for and, and the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. And again, what, what I, what I struggle with is these kids transfer. Every time you transfer, you're losing credits. So oh when, yeah, for sure. When are you going to graduate and and get the degree, uh, Coach? I'm going to go play in the NFL. Great. I hope you do. But you you need a degree too. Um, yes. Um, and so you know those are the things that um, where you know my biggest concern with it is is I I don't want kids to then take these problems into the real world because they never got them fixed. Um, yeah. Or you know they they never graduate. Um, because now they're out of eligibility, so they just they just leave school and they don't finish. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, if there's a happy medium in there somewhere, I'm all for it. Um, I just don't know that that's the direction that we're headed right this second. Maybe not right this second. I do think that there's an opportunity to to mitigate some of those uh, bigger sort of trends that are going on in college baseball. I think it's possible. I think it has to be a little bit more self-regulated before it actually gets officially regulated. Right. Um, 
But then again, the proof is also in the pudding. So, I mean, if you see uh, a lack of like sustained success um, at a program that maybe uses the portal too much to whatever's like, whatever person's liking, um, I think as a player uh, who's getting recruited out of high school, they just need to be a little bit more aware of that. Um, and it probably just has to occur through time. Like people, sure. people just have to gain more awareness uh, of what to look for in a program. Like you said, like you, you want players who know what they want. Um, they have a, they have a sense of like where they want to be at school. And I think that might just be another layer of the, the type of program that they're looking for, you know? Yes. So, uh, and I was actually going to ask that if that's something like that, even, uh, it's a little unrelated, but I get it still pertains sort of, uh, if that's like something that maybe tends to make you lose interest a little bit is like, all right, all right. You like you as a player and all, but you have no idea what, like what you want to program. Like, like come back to me when you do know what you want. Like, yeah, and, it's kind of hard to make progress there. Right. When they no, know. it's not, um, you know, as, as I know what I'm looking for in a player when I talk to him on the phone and then I can call, okay. Um, I'll call anybody that I can get a hold of that that is connected to that kid and spend time talking to them. Mm. Um, and I can get to the bottom of, of this is a kid that that fits within our program and and um, is going to represent Notre Dame and its mission and its value. Um, mm. And and I'll know pretty quickly um, on on that end. But yeah, sure. If kids, you know, we we can't carry on a conversation and things like that. I think um, or they don't know what they want. I, I think that's a red flag for me. Um, but I think sometimes um, coaches lose track. Like, are you fostering that um, when you get on the phone with them? Is Because I also, too, have to be engaging. Um, and if I'm not engaged, yeah. then maybe they're not engaging. And we're nervous. So, remember. Uh, yeah. Like, we're nervous. Uh, and, well, so that's, you know, you can kind of, I'll have to send you some articles. But, you know, we uh -huh. got a couple big commits and, and, and we have a great, um, you know, following here and and you know great news that kind of covers our recruiting mm. but in the articles like for me the the help with these kids is like no no I'll, I'll tell you a joke and we'll loosen this up and then let's get down to business mm. uh, but I want to be able to foster that relationship that hey I feel comfortable talking to this this coach um mm. and that we can be open and honest and then we can kind of start to to create the path of where we're going um, but, you know, I would definitely, you know, say that if a kid is, is him and Holland and, and things like that, they usually just don't have interest. And that's OK, too. Um, I think a lot of kids forget that um, they need us and I don't really need you. There, there's 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 more of you than me. So, so many talented players. And so, you know, if it, it, I think kids lose sight of that, it's like, oh, man, like, no, 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 no. Like, we can go recruit. There's other players that are really good too. There's only one university that's the best in the whole country, and that's Notre Dame. <laughs> um, you know, like it's so you you need me. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I think that's something that's important to to make sure you know that that the kids understand is hey, like mm. you you handle yourself the right way. Um, that you know these schools are talking to you know a lot of other kids and. Really, at the end of the day, there's, you know, go to perfect game this weekend down at Fort Myers. It's like, there's more of y'all down there playing than us down there watching. Mm. So, therefore, we have the upper hand. Yeah. Um, and you so, have the abundance, that's for sure. You guys have the, the, the pick of the litter. 
Yes. Yeah. And, and they definitely don't. Um, and, um, you know, that's the recruiting is always interesting and, in, and, in, and how it kind of continues to turn over and things change. And, you know, same thing as, as conferences begin to realign and move around and go, mm. uh, for me, um, I just try to look at like, what do I get to control in this and what is my job and my role and my responsibility in this? Mm-hmm. And then just, I just want to compete, just put it however you want out there and let's play. Um, you know, yeah. I'll let the people, um, you know, way more important than me figure out what's the next step for NLI or what's the next step with, um, you know, conference realignment or all the recruiting rules. Just tell me where, what my, my responsibility is, where I'll fall in. And, you know, if you want to put whoever you want in this league, like, let's put them in there, but can we just play? I just want yeah. To. yeah. Um, and so I, I try not to stress and worry about those things. Um, I just want to know what they are and, and what uh, rules I need to follow. And I'll follow those. So when you're recruiting players, like, is the best way to, for them to get seen by you is just playing in games, playing in tournaments? Like, is that the most accessible, uh, I guess, way? Yeah, well, in today's game, there's no more like, you know, people used to say, man, I found this hidden gem. Like, I haven't heard anybody say this is a hidden gem because no one can hide anymore. That good players, there's PBR, there's perfect game, there's this yeah. term, that term. Yeah. They, they, they no longer, you know, they're no longer hiding. They're, they're, in, they're mm-hmm. in plain sight. Um, you know, and I used to say, you know, I think, you know, emails would be a great idea. But nowadays, kids are only copy and pasting those emails. And half the, like I got an email earlier that was like to, to like another coach that is copy and pasted to us. Oh no, 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 no! It happens. It happens literally daily. So at this point, I'm just like, man, email is not even a good like because kids aren't paying enough attention to it. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, I think going to camps that you feel like are you know places that you're interested in, mm-hmm. uh, but like not everyone can go to LSU or Notre Dame or whoever else you want to name. So you got to be realistic in where you can go and play or not, uh, mm-hmm. but going to those places. But yeah, I would say definitely, you know, for me is, is, you know, um, being able to come watch you play in a game. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'll tell you is actually I did it out there at due day, but I usually don't, um, mm-hmm. is I usually never wear anything that says Notre Dame on it. I think I had a hat on out there. Um, but I feel like that's, um, was the only time all summer where I do is, I, I go to a game and I never wear anything that says Notre Dame and I'll go sit right next to your dugout. That's how I figure out what type of teammate you are and what you're, what you're saying about the pitcher or your teammates mm. or that play or that umpire. Um, if you find mm. yourself always complaining and you find yourself always blaming someone else, oh man, I mean, that was a terrible call. I struck out outside. I'm like, yeah, but you swung and missed that two fastballs down the middle. So, yeah. <laughs> like, you should have hit one of those forward, man. Yeah. <laughs> or like that was outside. I'm like, what do you mean? You just want to get two breaking balls in the dirt. I don't know that you know where the strike zone is, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like to be uh, able to go and, and blend in uh, with the crowd and, and just kind of hang out uh, mm. and and move. And, and, and that's where I get to really evaluate players is I want to evaluate who you really are. Um, mm-hmm. I want you to look up and see, oh, Notre Dame, you're like, I'm going to play a little bit harder today. I'm gonna show up at the 8 a.m. game, an hour away from the main complex, and mm. I'm just gonna look like someone's friend that's there watching the game. And mm. um, you know, that's those are the guys that I want to show up. Those are the guys that have the true character um, that are that are going to to play hard for you every day, and that are going to value the game. 
Hmm. Uh, not because they can just do it when, when everyone else is watching. Um, when the stakes are high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, like if, if I'm at the complex, um, most of the time it's because there's a bunch of games there in a row, but I prefer to, to not be, um, it's just because it gives me the opportunity to go watch a kid and just watch him play. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, but I get to just sit in and, and see, uh, what he really does, um, in the game is, is kind of my philosophy on it, but it takes me a long time to start recruiting is like, I want a lot of it back. So I want to watch you play a lot of games. I want to watch you hmm. do a lot of things. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a process for me and you kind of move throughout different phases. There's, I basically have a heat sheet that I make and it basically starts at like a light orange or a yellow, then a lighter orange then an orange then all the way to a red. And if you can take hmm. the whole summer and you can move all the way up to the red, all right, you're a dude. Um, and I'm ready. And I, I think a lot of coaches will text me and I appreciate it, but like I will go and then look at my eval on that kid and he's still way down there. So either one, I didn't think he was good enough or I haven't seen him enough to move. And I don't, I'm, you're not passing up on my board. I'm just not. Um, I, I'm going to always trust my eyes and what I've seen and what I believe. Um, and so if you can make it all the way, um, then, then you're in a really good spot. And it's now again, especially if you play shortstop, it's very hard to make it all the way to the end. I was a shortstop, so I'm picky. I'm hard mm-hmm. on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's just kind of how I've always done it. And you know, it, again, it's so you feel like you've got a true evaluation on a player. So when you get them here, um, you can coach them um, that you know he's the right fit and you know he's the right everything for for your team. And then, then you're always in good shape, but. When you start taking a guy that was maybe in the yellow and you had a guy in the red and you try to blend those two together, well, that's how you look up and you got a terrible team. Um, mm-hmm. You can if you can take and offer all the guys that made it through your red. No matter how good you are at your job, you should have a good team. You should have a good hmm. team. Interesting. Well, now I want to ask about video because I feel like it's so prevalent today and like what players will send their coach. I I sent Tulane video and they liked that. Like they had never seen me play in person. You know, but I, I wound up there. So I it's think, like video is a, a good way to get like on, on coaches' radars, and some coaches will recruit just off video. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that either. Um, you know, and, and there's uh no always and never, no, no nevers. There, there's you know, there's yes, a guy yes. you can watch a video like no shot, or like, hey, this guy's really good, like he can definitely play here. I've seen both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think video is is always gone like anytime you can put a visual to to what um, you look like and the actions and the skills that you have, the better off you'll be. Um, mm-hmm. You write me an email to say max velocity is 110. I'm like, well, what's the swing look like? Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, being able to to compare and match the two um, certainly helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the video, um, you know, but, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is I have a whole separate tab for those that just says, you know, like these are my summer recommendations. And they come from emails or someone texts me and I'll put them in there before I go to each tournament. I'll look and see if one of those kids' names on there and he's on a team and I'll circle them and then I'll know, all right, if I get to see him this weekend, great. And then all of a sudden, that's how you can start kind of shifting through it. I don't mm-hmm. think I can go and try to watch every player in the country. I, I think that's you're wasting your time. Um, oh, you know, man. I, yeah. Geez. Um, you know, it's. I imagine. You know, it's one of those things where you try to, you know, if you went online to right now to underarmor.com and just looked at the whole website, there's a thousand different things you could do. Well, then you just go to men's 
and then you go to men's polos, and then you go to men's this, and you start narrowing that list down. Well, now, like, I have a group to pick from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what we we try to do is take that, the whole country, and narrow it down and keep narrowing it down until you have, you know, 10 to 15 guys that you're like, all right, these guys could play here, and then go recruit them and, and mm-hmm. do everything you can to get them. Yeah. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I have no idea. But. Well, I, I definitely remember being back in high school and thinking, <sighs> okay, how many other guys uh, or left-handed pitchers is this guy recruiting right now? And some coaches, like, they would say it very straight up, and I would assume that they're being honest. They're like, look, like, we really like you, and we're not recruiting a whole other, like, a, a lot other left-handed pitchers, like, there's a reason why we want you and we want you to go on this. Like we don't, we don't just reach out to anybody, you know, like there's a specific reason we picked you, you know? So like there's, there's that sort of aspect, I guess. Uh, and I, maybe a player just has to trust you guys, but yeah, it, it does make for a little bit of an interesting dynamic is like, you, you have to sort of trust a coach or just maybe try to follow what the recruiting patterns are in terms of like class size or whatever it is. And like sure. how many, uh like guys that go get but yeah it's interesting i don't know i feel like that's everything recruiting wise that i wanted to like we we just do- dove into so much recruiting stuff that's actually crazy i, I like recruiting uh, i like recruiting. oh i can tell uh, <laughs> and and again i like it because well number one is this place is special um we we have the yeah. great resources that um anyone can get their hands on we have the greatest people here we have the greatest support and so when you have that you want people to be a part of it like hey come mm. come be a part of this it's it's that special yeah and so that that makes it fun for me as i've been here and and i've seen it and i've talked to so many alumni and 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 not all of them are just athletes some of them are just students here that i've talked to and and mm. this place will, will will challenge you but it'll change you um and and that has been um something that's been really fun for me and and so when you have that it's fun to recruit and then two when you just care about uh people um and seeing them make the right decision um you know you you can really enjoy recruiting is when you know coaches take this too seriously um they 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 put too much pressure on themselves like you can enjoy the process just as much as as anything else is is you know you only stress and get you know, in a hurry when you're not prepared, uh, when you're not. Oh ready. yeah. And so I, I just, I refuse to, to ever get stressed out about it. Like I haven't seen a player enough and he commits to a certain school. Great. Mm-hmm. I didn't see him enough. I, I chose to go watch this player more. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, you just have to, you know, in recruiting is develop those relationships. And that's probably what I value more than anything is, is talking to the families, talking to the kids and, um, you know, I, I, especially with a hitter is I'll spend a whole night talking to a kid on the phone just about hitting. And I want them to get off the phone and go, I don't want to play for that guy at all. I don't like anything he said about hitting or <laughs> I don't care where that guy is. Like, I want to go play for him because I love everything he said about hitting. Mm-hmm. Now you make a decision based off information. So now you know that you made the right decision. Yeah. And so you have to enjoy going through that process with kids and with families. And so. You know, that's why I have the list that I have is, you know, is once you get up into that red area, now it's time for us to really, really start diving into it. Um, Until Mm. then, like, I I think it's important just to keep talking to them and 
Um, if a kid goes somewhere else, they they go somewhere else, and that's okay. Um, again, Louisville or Clemson or name a team in our league. Their Friday night guy and every other player on their field is going to be really good. That's mm-hmm. we play in a grown men's league. Um, and on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's it's big boy baseball. So me trying to recruit every player and 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 skim the process is is a is just not it's not the recipe. It's find the right guys that fit mm-hmm. what you're trying to do um and are passionate about what you what you want to do and and those guys will come here and, and you'll win. Mm. So is there anything like from your playing career um, that you like to to kind of translate over into like something that you you preach into your coaching? Um, maybe just because you experienced it, you're like, hey, guys, like I experienced this and I, I see you struggling with this. Like, you know, I think I think if we implement, you know, something that I learned here, like I think you can, you know, really improve in this area. You know, yeah. if, if you understand like kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I do. It's one of those things, that, and I don't know why this always stands out to me, but I used to hate it when people would say, if I knew then what I knew now, or like, I. so I never as a coach tried to start a sentence with that and say, hey, if I would have known this, or when I was playing like this, like, no, what I'd rather do is leave those sentences out and skip right to it. And so mm-hmm. it's always yeah. going to start with like, you know, I, I don't want our players to ever leave here and go like Logan didn't love me and he didn't take care of me. If I can just promise those two things and they know that um, mm-hmm. everything else I, I'm okay with. And so, but mm-hmm. that's something that I learned from, you know, coaches in, in high school and, and in college and, you know, even in pro ball is that they, they really value relationships and getting to know me um, and then taking care of me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't always about baseball. It was things outside of baseball, just, you know, opening doors for women or tucking your chair in or picking up trash, all of those little lessons, they stick out to me um, more than something I learned about a ground ball um, hmm. is, you know, on a day-to-day basis, like I walk through more doors with women behind me than I do feel the ground ball. So let's make sure I open the door for them so they can come in first. Hmm. Those are the life lessons that like they taught me. And I think as I look around, like the world that we live in today, like I'm so appreciative of those things. Um, mm. and I feel so thankful that I had those people to kind of guide me um, in the right direction. And so those are the things that I try to do with our guys is develop that relationship and, and teach them things that are bigger than baseball. Like, man, like you, you got to be respectful to women. You got to tuck your chair in. you got to pick up trash. Um, you got to value people's time. Um, mm. All this other stuff doesn't really mean squat if you can't do that. Um and those are the kind of things that I've, that I've taken is I think the best coaches or managers that I played for, um, that's what they did. You could tell that they really loved um, their players um, and that they weren't there um, just for them. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 college coaching, I didn't get into this for the money, clearly. Um, and um, at the end of the day, um, my life depends on the decisions of 18 to 21-year-olds. That's what my life depends on. And I yeah. found out, I'm like, you know what? This sounds great. 18 to 21 year olds, your, your, your decisions decide my life. But I got into <laughs> it because I love baseball um, and I wanted to make an impact on, on young kids and, and take them from young men to grown men. Um, mm. And I couldn't see yeah. myself being around anything but baseball because I have such love for the game. I have such passion for the game. Mm. Um, but Again, those are the things like why I got into coaching is, you know, being able to to develop young men and 
I'm I'm maybe naive, uh, but I think uh, the ripple effect, if like I can impact these 35 guys of this year and then these 35 next year and so forth and so forth, that all of a sudden maybe there's a ripple effect that maybe things do change, um, that the world is a better place. Like I said, maybe it is naive, but I refuse to think anything else. Is that each year I can make sure that our guys value people's time, um, that they know uh, what it means to show up on time and the value of hard work and the value of valuing people. Um, maybe maybe it changes one other person and they pass it on to someone else. Um, mm. I, again, I just believe in people uh, probably too much to a fault, um, but um, I, I just refuse to think that people – want to be bad on purpose i think they just need guidance and they need they need someone to love them um and so um you know that's going to start right there in our clubhouse and then let's see if we can get that love to spread you know somewhere else um you know at the end of the day I want, you know i want our guys to be you know men of hope because mm. when they walk in anywhere um they go oh man everything's gonna be okay now Notre Dame baseball is here or they walk into the party and like yes this is exciting Notre Dame baseball is here um, but I want yeah. them to, to kind of be, um, you know, those, those men of hope and, and mm. they, they develop and they, they are appreciative of how awesome this place is, this perspective. Mm. Um, there's a, a better place, um, in the country than, than Notre Dame and you guys get to come here every single day. Like how lucky are we? Um, mm. I, I get here every morning at 545 and when I'm driving up. I'm looking at the Golden Dome, and so many times I'm like, "Oh, it's so cool!" Like, I'm it's like, awesome, and and especially at that time, like it's so quiet. Um, and a lot of times the this the way the the sun and the moon they're kind of wanting to come up and down at the same time, and mm -hmm. the dome is the way they have it set up is there's trees on both sides, but it's an opening in the middle. Mm -hmm. There it is. And I'm like, whatever. I'm mad about like who cares? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Like, great yeah um that's so, awesome you know is, is those are the things that i i think that i value about coaching and, and being here is like and um you know people you know love notre dame football so a lot of times oh get, my gosh yeah a lot of times i get asked about coach freeman um you know obviously our football coach and mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know i mean he's just a fantastic human he's a fantastic leader a fantastic coach and um, you know, I think he's, you know, as a young coach and, and being here, like, I think he sets a great example for, for all of us. Um, is he's, he's, he's always got his head down and he's working, mm. um, and he's taking on the challenges and I, I'm not afraid to tell you this. There's two jobs in this world. I don't want the president and Notre Dame football coach. I don't want either one of them. I can't imagine. Um, but he does it with humility, uh, with grace, um, and attacks it. Um, and again, it's just one of those things where it's just such a, a, a special place to be. And, mm. and, you know, when you have great people around you, um, you know, it's, it's just, it makes it all the much better to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. When did you know you wanted to be a coach? Was it immediate? Did you know when you, when you were a player, was it after you finished playing? No. Um, you know, so coach Finwood, uh, who's the head coach at, at Old Dominion, um, was my college head coach, mm -hmm. um, a man that I owe everything to. Uh, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for him. Um, hmm. 
And I, I, I tell people a lot of times, like that's the recruiting process. You, you brought this on, so I'm going to finish this story for you. Is why I'm so passionate about the recruiting process is when mm-hmm. I was getting recruited out of high school, I had several other opportunities. Um, and um, I didn't take them. And I went to West Kentucky because I fell in love with the people that were there. I fell in love with the school and I fell in love with their vision of where they were going. And coach Finwood did such a great job of explaining that to me. And uh, it didn't matter about the patch on the sleeve. It didn't matter about anything other than the people that were in front of me. And I Mm -hmm. knew that no matter what coach Finwood was going to have my back and he was going to support me and guide me also knew he was going to coach me really hard. And that's something that I wanted. Um, And so I went there and, um, was was lucky enough to to be there and then play with the Atlanta Braves. But I finished up, and I'm one of the rare guys that went back to school and finished their degree. I left as a junior. I went back and finished my degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, taught a little pop at Kentucky Wesleyan College um, in Owensboro, where I'm from, uh, gave me the opportunity while I was finishing my degree uh, to coach there with him. I said, absolutely, I'll take it. And in the meantime, I had um, applied – or I guess applied, I didn't really ever apply, but got contacted by Stryker and then went through the interview. It was going to be a medical sales. Didn't take it. Hmm. One of the best insurance companies in town called me like, hey, would you be interested in the job? Interviewed for it. Got the job. Didn't accept it. Um, (laughs) Something told me like, hey, like, I don't know that like you can do this um, and that you want to do this. And so I kept coaching. And then one day I was on the road recruiting and Coach Finwood called me and said, like, Logan, I got a job for you if you want it. I was like, all right, coach. Like, where is it? He said, Old Dominion. I got in my truck and uh, I drove there. Um, and I was there for for the last seven years. Um, yeah. And he um, I, he's just a, a fantastic person, a fantastic leader, um, somebody that, you know, that I just value that, um, you know, really, really taught me, um, you know, not just to be, you know, a coach and a player, but, you know, also a man. And that's where I'm super appreciative of it. And so, hmm. you know, I never knew I wanted to coach. I knew that I had opportunities to go sell medical sales or or insurance or or this or that. And uh, my gut and my heart never took me there. And I got into coaching. And like I said, it's hmm. one of those things where I got into it because I love the game. Um, and I started loving like making connections with kids and watching players develop. Yeah. The greatest thing is to watch a kid struggle and then keep working, keep working, keep working. And all of a sudden you see the light bulb come on. There's nothing more rewarding in this world than that. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we won the championship uh, when we were at uh, old dominion and we all staff gave ourselves a hug. And, and then I looked out on the mound and all of our guys were dogpiling. And I remember sitting there thinking in the moment, like, wow, like all those late nights on the road recruiting, uh, all those early mornings, all those weird flights, all that time spent here in the cages and the frustration, like that, that's why. It's to watch them sit up there and dogpile and hold a trophy up. I was like, I'll do this forever. Like, I don't care. Just mm. because that one moment, like if I can experience that one more time, um, then yeah. uh, because there, there wasn't a better like feeling for me is to watch those guys mm. jump on top of each other, um, knowing like, shoot, there's a lot of time put into this. Um, yeah. Oh and, and my gosh. It, it had nothing to do with, with anything other than to watch them 
enjoy that moment. I sit here and I think about it, and uh, man, it's it's a it's one of the coolest feelings is mm-hmm. to watch those guys dogpile and hug each other and celebrate together and going, man, that was a lot of work, but boy, that is fun to watch. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's so uh, the the path to to starting your coaching career is very interesting, and now I'm curious, like if you had any advice. So I'm trying to put you in the mindset of like your younger self right now, you're like first or second year coaching self. If you could like go back and give that young self some advice, you know, which is indirectly some advice to young coaches out there today. Like if there was something that you remember doing where you're like, okay, yeah, that's a good lesson that I just learned, you know, uh, maybe later on that you, that you could have told your young self. Yeah. I think, um, younger self of me and the younger coach i don't know that i did a, a great enough job creating a network of of, of coaches hmm. um because I, I always the way i was like i wanted i never want anything to be given to me i want to earn everything um and so when i went on the road recruiting like i don't know hmm. that i always spend enough time talking to other coaches and to this day i still don't um because when i'm there i'm there to work Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a younger coach, I would have, I wish I would have spent more time talking to coaches and asking questions and then not being afraid to lead, like trust your gut. Like if mm-hmm. your gut tells you that this is the right move or this is the right thing to do, it probably is. Um, and so, you know, um, you know, I didn't get into, you know, all of that until later, but you know, the Carl Nanomaker at, at Auburn is just a fantastic you know, person, but he's been a great mentor for me. Um, hmm. you know, I don't know, again, like, you know, you, I, I think I am who I am because of Coach Finwood, but I think I'm the recruiter and then the coach a lot because, you know, Carl kind of took me under his wing um, and, and he helped me and he guided me and he taught me and he prepared me. And so as a, you know, as a young coach, I feel like that's always kind of my, um, you know, my thing is, man, find somebody that can put you underneath their wing, hmm. um, learn everything you can about, uh, what they're doing um, yeah, and, and how they're going about it. And, and, and Nani is, I mean, be, I'm, I, I'm beyond thankful uh, for him and, and how much he taught me about recruiting at this level um, because it's, you know, it, it's, it's tough and there's challenges. And I think, you know, Nani is just one of those guys that put me under his wing and, and he helped me and um, he's a fantastic coach, but I think he's just a fantastic friend um, yeah. as well. Um, and so find someone like that, 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 um, can be a mentor, someone that you can lean on, um, and don't be afraid to to find that person. Um, mm. and, and, you know, it's not about how many can you have, it's, can you have a, like a couple of really good ones? Mm. Mm. Um, and that's, mm. you know, I, I wish I would have found, um, you know, maybe that, um, as, as a little bit younger coach, but, you know, I went to old dominion and Nani was already there, um, and so, you know, he was able to kind of help me, but I think I learned a lot from him, but could I, like, there was about a year and a half where like, man, like, did I fully take advantage of it? Because I was worried about this, that, and the other. It's like, I should have just maybe not dove all in. I think there's a, there's a fine line there. Hmm. Uh, you have to have feel uh, when it comes to things like that. But yeah, you know, I think is there, is there more in that year and a half that I could have learned from Nani um, that maybe I would be kind of wishing I had today. Hmm. Interesting. And it, it is funny. Cause like when you said network immediately, I, I thought like, 
oh, he just didn't uh, have like the, he didn't develop the network skills of like uh, the rubbing shoulders kind of stuff. It's like, no, 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 it's, that's not the whole point of it. It's like, you're not just trying to build in quantity, like you said. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I, I got, like, I, I don't want to read like about your stuff that you do online, like on Twitter. Like, I don't need you to post this awesome, like you didn't invent baseball, man. Like, I don't need you to put that on Twitter. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know that that, that advances it. Um, yeah. Because you know, yeah, I yeah. think coaches want to be around other great coaches and great people mm. that they can trust, that they can value, that they can lean on. Um, I don't want to be around a guy that can make up a bunch of drills and like I, I want to do things really simple and do those things really well. Mm. Uh, but finding the right mentor and the right people um, that you can lean on and and say, all right, like I got a question, like I'm, I'm going to call this person, they'll they'll help me. Um, mm. And I got a handful of those people that I really, really value. And I think as a young coach, I would encourage to find them. I would. So I, I was going to ask about uh, something that you appreciate about Notre Dame, like as a school and then as uh, a program. But I feel like you already covered that. I'm tr- I don't know if you can cover any more about Notre Dame because you've said you've spoken so much about it. But it would there be anything about the school or the program like that? a lot of people wouldn't even know about um, that, that you just appreciate? Um, I don't think people understand uh, how big its reach is. Okay. How far yeah. this place can, can go and then how far it can take you. I think that's the one thing that like the, you know, people always talk about the alumni here and, mm-hmm. and what it's able to do. Um, that is real. And um, it is, it, the resources are are boundless and we're we're so lucky um to be surrounded with with some of the the you know we have the best of the best of the best here yeah um, you know and and so i think you know iron sharpens iron and so our guys are around the smartest people in their classroom so they're going to get smarter our guys are around some of the best athletes um in the world so they're going to be better athletes and so I think that's what makes this place really, really special is every day those guys, again, are our guys as players, just because they play basketball, like they're still close to each other. So they're, they're, they're just keep stacking on top of each other and they go to the classroom and they're with, with somebody that like might be the next Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And so they keep, they just keep sharpening on top of each other. And so, hmm. you know, those are things that I got, I don't know that the, the outside world always fully understands is, once you get inside here, Notre Dame is not going to let you fail. Um, they're mm-hmm. going to make sure that you have everything that you can you can possibly have to succeed. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's a lot harder to get in here than it is to get out because uh, it's not oh, going to yeah. let you. Um, yeah. They're just not going to let you. Um, and so, <laughs> um, again, it is the the greatest university um, in the whole country. Um, and you know, it's. It, it truly is special. It really is. And I can tell that you feel that way. And I know, uh, I know people will disagree, but it's hard to, it's really hard to, because I mean, I know, I know about, I, cause I visited that school. I, I knew I could tell, I was like, dang, this place is special. And honestly, I don't know if I've said this before, maybe I have, but the thing that held me back, ironically enough, cause we talked about this earlier from going to Notre Dame, I was so worried about the cold so worried about it and i was like i look i do look back genuinely i look back and i think wow like i let the cold dictate my decision so heavy like what was i yeah. thinking 
Uh, and like you said, is when it's the winner, it's the winner. Um, yeah, yeah. What is the actual difference between uh, 40 and 32? You put on a jacket, not put on a jacket. You know what? You know I, what? Okay. I will say this would be my my one little piece. Um, so for me, anytime it gets like relatively cold, I'm soft. I'm California born and raised, so it's awful. But once I spend a little bit of time in that area, you get used to it, or at least yeah, I, I'll, yeah. or I'll get used to it. So when I went and visited Notre Dame in November and it was high twenties, I'm like, this isn't the place for me. No but doubt. I'm thinking like. Okay, I went at the worst time and I didn't get used to it. And it's like, God, what do I shot myself in the foot with that one? I was yeah. 15. I was, uh, I was like, yeah, oh my I, God, I mean, what am I doing? Simple, yeah, I don't, I don't blame you either. But, you know, <laughs> in November, no one's doing much of anything outside anyway, baseball loss. Um, oh, no, and, no, definitely. You know, when they, they talk about cold and, and things like that. I always laugh. It's like, well, I hope you don't play for like the Yankees or somewhere and you don't want to play in October. Like in the World Series, because it looks pretty cold when I watch their game on TV too. Just so yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're gonna sit the World Series out. Hey, Skip, you know uh, it's a little chilly here tonight. I think I'm. Yeah, I'll wait till we get back down to Houston, and, and then we'll play. Yeah, let's uh, play in the dome. Yeah, yeah so uh, <laughs> oh. you have to be, you know, willing um, to to adjust, and it's a great place to to see a different part of the country in the world. Uh, yeah yeah it's a, a really neat melting pot um to see so many people come together um that you get to meet and, and i wouldn't let um a little cold and, and getting a, a jacket scare me away from you know yeah. maybe my my best friend turning into the guy that invents twitter or something like that I'll, like i'll trade you that's the uh, takeaway right there yeah don't let the and, cold scare you guys come on and that's and that's real um yeah you know, is you know, like I said, right now it's seventy-six degrees outside right now. Um, yeah, and we're gonna be outside in just a few minutes, and and shorts and a t-shirt practicing. Um, so is everyone else. So it's right. not like it's, we're sitting up here right now and like in an igloo, and and we're just we're pinned off in this cold environment. Like no, it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, this is my last question. I ask it to every guest. Um, I, I love to ask about, the, you know, the stories on the recruiting trails because I think every coach um, has a different relationship with like what, what the recruiting kind of life brings and uh, certainly a variety of experiences as well. So I know you've, you have to have some sort of story where you're like, okay, yeah, this perfectly just illustrates what it's like to be a college baseball recruiter. Um, don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you have something where you're like, oh yeah, that's a fun little story that, you know, when I think about it, it just, it just reminds me of like the, the fun part of my job, you know, uh, going put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, know. I can tell you the, the, probably one of my favorite is okay. uh, two summers ago. I think it was, there was a stretch there where um, Atlanta had, they redid their schedule. And so there was a bunch of events down there. Mm. And I stayed in Atlanta for six straight weeks. Never went home. Oh, man. Stayed at the same hotel. In the summer, of course. By the end of it, the ladies that worked at the front desk, I would walk back in at night, and they were calling me by my first name. Hey, welcome back, Logan. I leave in the morning. Logan, have a nice day. And I'm like, yeah, I've probably been here too long. <laughs> that the people at the, at the front desk know my name. And yeah. they, like, I have been here that long. Um, but... 
that's probably the one where I was like, you know what? Like, that is what college pretty looks like spending six straight weeks on the road recruiting in one hotel where the people there um, know your first name. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I haven't heard that yet. I haven't heard that block of time. That's something else. Well, they redid their schedule. Um, and so what I had done is like I had gone to Hoover and have in Atlanta and I kind of floated around within that area, but mm. you know, there's perfect game going on here at PBR going on here. Um, and so I tried it where I wasn't, cause I didn't want to have to keep moving around is so I was like, you know what? Like I'll, I'll stay. I went to the music city classic and then mm. went straight down to Atlanta. So I knocked out a bunch of teams there. It's like, all right, now I'm going to watch these teams. But yeah, I was there and, and the people at the front desk, um, knew me by my first name and uh I've, since then no one unless i've checked in and they still don't come mr robbins think you were checking in with us they still don't call me logan uh but i was on a first name basis with the people at the front desk yeah that's awesome and uh I, you know what i guess this will be the last thing but it might be kind of a tough question i don't know if you remember uh that far back but uh do you remember how many players you ended up both seeing, but then also reaching out to and eventually landing like at your school. Like, cause again, six weeks on the road is pretty extensive, but the amount of players you have to see is also pretty extensive, but then you got to narrow it down to how many players you even talked to or, or landed. And when I say landing, you know, got, got some level of interest back or, or, or an offer was sent out, something like that. Like what's the conversion rate there look like? Very low. Um, because yeah. 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 Um, for me, there's a lot of players there, um, mm -hmm. but I want to try to narrow in on the ones that fit us. Um, mm -hmm. you know, at the time when I was at, you know, at old dominion, a kid from Texas didn't have a lot of interest in coming to Virginia beach. He just didn't. So I wasn't going to spend time watching a bunch of kids from Texas play. Um, mm -hmm. so that, that narrowed out, you know, a handful there. And then you kind of went by that way. And so. You know, you started finding where your pockets at that fit, you know, who could come here. Mm. Uh, so you made sure you really, really evaluated them really, really hard. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of times, uh, you know, they would be playing somebody from Wisconsin um, or Michigan and they'd be a good player. And, and then we'd follow up and, um, you know, be able to recruit that player as well. But, um, you know, you, you have to start eliminating players. Um, but again, the number is probably really small, but that's again, probably more by design than, than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Logan, that was, uh, that was everything and more <laughs> that I had, you know, down for you. Um, that was amazing, honestly. Um, well, I appreciate it, man. Anytime, uh, I thank you for thinking of me and, and getting me on here, man. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I hope we can we can do it again soon. Actually, I, I really really enjoyed it as well. I you know I have a I have a few things up my sleeve. I think we can uh, we can make something happen. Uh, specifically with like hitting too. I, I I might be foreshadowing here, but I, I would love to get a group of hitting coaches on. I think that would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah, awesome. um, talk about hitting as a group, uh, especially since I know nothing about it. I can ask a bunch of questions. Well, I don't um, either, so I'll be. <laughs> Oh, okay. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here, but yeah, thank Thank you again, um, for having me or for coming on to my show. Of course, this is mine, not yours. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. This has been awesome.
Well, I really appreciate it, man. I've I've enjoyed it, and like I said, uh, I I can't thank you enough for for thinking of me and 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 getting me on here. So with that, um, I will talk to you uh, really briefly after we sign off. But that is going to do it for this episode of Player to Prospect, and we will see you next week.